Yep. <sighs> yes, sir, it is. It's Tactical Crouch, episode 184. The show where Volomel is completely correct, I'm halfway there, and Jessica's hilariously wrong. The show where, Job, you nailed that three-pointer. Well done. Congratulations. Let me give you a slow clap for that one or a fast clap Thank for that you. one. Appreciate I got the it. rebound. I enjoyed it. Jessica, you tossed your ball into the crowd. Talk to me about that. <sighs> guys, I was not truthful with you guys. Unfortunately. Oh, he's not truthful. He's lying. I was truthful. <laughs> See what, see what the fans don't know is they don't know that we were having a tech dilemma and a, a minor crisis beforehand. Like, well, wow, it's it's strange that we can't see you. We normally see you in the preview of, of our stream every week, but for whatever reason, we can't see you. Isn't like Discord just like, or isn't OBS just kind of like screen capping what you're, what's on your screen? So if we have you on the screen, we should see you, right? He's like, have, yeah, I don't know, guys. It's really weird. It's I'm gonna get strange. Yeah. I'm gonna drop you another L real quickly, but you need to like it vertically it, flip. It, you need, it, it you didn't mirror, you yeah. Horizontally You're right. Flip your camera. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Yeah. Boom. Done. Done a lot. There you go. Got your second L of the day very quickly. Oh, that's um, hilarious. I appreciate well that. That's actually really good. Well done. That looks like quite a bit of effort. Uh, now yeah, I know why you. Now I know why you, you were recording the show today. I uh, definitely. Did you go to your meeting with that? Did you even no, have a meeting? I don't know what to believe anymore. I had a. I had an actual meeting. But the thing is, look like, like looking like this, or <laughs> we didn't have like cameras on. I was putting it on during the meeting, but I was intently <laughs> listening. I would like, I didn't, I didn't uh, mess it up. Where'd you get the ears from? That is impressive. Do you have to go on and buy that? You... Yeah, of course. I invested serious <laughs> Grimbox in order to get this. Damn, dude. Damn. It's the only thing they're worth oh, these nice. days. So I see you've invested the money that NA pay teams paid you to to mm -hmm. make them. <laughs> I wish they oh. would have paid me. I, like it would have been worth that kind of I'm just a poor idiot. <sighs> Alright, before we before we get into the Guys. true the true roasting as I'm stoking the flames here, I'd give a big shout out to our patron supporters for this episode. 184 brought to you by Battle Crab, Refine Bean, Bronze Bot Buhau, Chare, Chris R34444, Fabled Steven, Hunter Tane. Kasha67, Lolshin, Rick Zane, Sir Gerthalot, Wilma D, Yeska's All Percentage Shower Gel, and Your Misery. And uh, relevantly enough, I think there will be a little bit of misery here. And uh, yeah, we were prepping early. I was like, you know, this is going to be an interesting show. I want to get pull the guns out nice and early. Mm. Um, I didn't tell you to buckle up, Yeska, but I think you were doing it anyway. You were getting ready <laughs> in that barrage. Already put war paint on, yeah. I think the best, I think the best stuff got put out on Twitter during the actual weekend itself. While you soundly went to bed, I'm sure you went to bed real easy. I'm sure you slept extremely well that first night. But as soon as you woke up, I could only imagine how good it must have been. It felt yeah, really Give bad. us a walkthrough. So, a play by play. Yeah, give me, tell us how you felt right the now. night before and then how you felt in the morning. I want to know. Yeah. Wait, the night where I said, okay, waking up to uh, Shanghai Dallas final. No, no, that no. One? from the start, from you taking the first shot from the bow, you know, starting the war and then ending uh, it on your face, just from right. first fire to ceasefire, you know? So, right. So we, we are on this episode. You're being a smart, smart asshole about it. Like, mm -hmm. uh, comes and stuff. Like, 
maps. I'm is calculating that, that, the maps. I'm doing image? that mental arithmetic. Mental like, <laughs> this is what you sound like in my head. I don't always. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like ogre so, magi. Compton's just. So. You do. Exactly like this. <laughs> so. I'm thinking like you guys are high on Chengdu and it's like such a losing bet, right? Like how often do you think like this team should be good? And I'm like, well, when it comes, you know, when it's in the high pressure situation, they will surely crumble. Yes, on paper, their meta iterations and everything, they look great. So what I do is I, I get off the episode and then I mock you guys a little bit because like I want to set the stakes, right? Like I want to be able... Mm -hmm to celebrate my wins. So I tweet, and then they predict the Chengdu over Dallas, right? Still soundly thinking like 80% of the time Dallas wins. Probably a little bit less, but whatever. So <laughs> we're getting to match day. It's not as fun anymore suddenly. They, like, they suddenly got a map, which we said they, they could have a map, and then they got two maps. Yeah. And at that point, it get, becomes a problem. Now, it looked like a little bit as if Dallas had the chance to come back, but they didn't. And I'm like, ah, you know, travel and stuff. And like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, wow. and like, and like Rush will figure it out. I trust the man. And then he didn't figure out shit, dude. He didn't figure out fucking nothing. <laughs> he figured out absolutely nothing. And I mean, I tried to double down even after the fact. Didn't really work out either. <laughs> <laughs> they never I appreciate learned. that. Because if you, if you doubled down and then you won, it would have been pretty epic as well. But I appreciate that effort. I, I can imagine. So how, how many maps? You say? I think you said Chengdu would win like one map total. Yeah, the entire map. weekend, yes. Not a game. So as, soon as, yeah, won the second, as soon as I won the second map, you're like, damn, they've kind of doubled up here yeah. on what I thought they'd do already. This is like already 100% better than, they, than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a 3-0, it was a 3-1. The 3-0 yeah. didn't come through until the next day. But it, like, it could have been a 3-0. I think it should have been a 3-0 even, because I, that first map on Li Jung was like, mm. it was, if we go back to it, that was close enough that I, I my expectation was that Chengdu should have probably have won that first map. Yeah, um, I mean, reasonable. reasonable. I'm, not even just, I'm not even just saying that because like they won and there's some hindsight 2020 now. It's so like, no, legitimately... It, you, I mean, no one's going to do this, but the, the proof is there on my co-stream. When I was co-streaming, that first map, after that first map, I was like, I think they should, I think Chengdu should have won this map. Legitimately, I think they should have. So, I think that's fair. I think Control definitely could have gone either way. I think that map was intensely close. However, I still give, I to this day, I still look at Chengdu Dallas game one as a 3-2. I think Dallas, by all rights, should have won both Sky Industries. Dude. I think they're Ooh. I think so specifically their supports blundered really hard in terms yeah. of like milking the time bag. I think that last point was like gone, right? Like you can't win that fight. You're only just like trying to lose gracefully. I Let's, thought they Go ahead. I was gonna say, I mean, I, I think um oh, we're gonna get into some of the actual map discussion. I mean, we can get into that a little bit. Sure. Um I was gonna I was thinking we could we could probably just go over our general thoughts. Before we okay, get into sure. real specificity, right. and really to me, it's about um, really to me, it's about like how much can we milk this whole Yiska thing, um, <laughs> bro? Yeah, that's the biggest question. Like, in my mind. no, everyone can't get off my back bro. with fearless MVP when this fucker can't play a ball to save his life at the level at the other <laughs> guys. Gonna, get out! 
now, dude. <laughs> so I had, que- I had further questions for you, Iska, specifically, mm. and that that yeah. relates to. I remember you also said um, you spoke to some NA coaches. I don't know how many. Yeah. I don't know who. And you a mentioned lot, that they. You mentioned that a lot of NA coaches specifically said that they believe they were way ahead. Or the NA as a I mean, they're, they're the saying that the entire season, pretty much. And they've said that, that last season, and mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. I, I believe, like, if you're... I think the problem... Here's, here's the thing. Like, we are led to believe that we've been... Edu- like, that, that there's the meta. Always. And everyone thinks that, like, the Overwatch space, right? Like, season okay. one, season two, season, season three, less so, of course. But, like, the first two seasons sort of tell you, like... There is a meta, and the best pl- team plays the meta the best. When in reality it is, the best teams dictate the meta. Now, they look at the scrim, their scrim results, try to play these ball comps. Nobody has a good ball in that, uh, that region to, the, to that level, yeah, in NA. And they just think, well, go- ball is obviously garbage then, right? Like, this, this comp can't work thus bad, you know? And the, the same thing was said... Yeah. To be fair about, for instance, Tracer, like last year, you could reasonably argue they didn't have great Tracer players in, in APAC. I think that was mostly true, um, with few exceptions, notable ones as well. Um, and that's why they had to play Sombra. Well, maybe there's just great Sombra players and they're not in NA. Have you thought about that approach? And while I don't know if there's right or wrong answers in this, I think this is where the discrepancy comes from, where it's like, you have one region that have like educated Sombra players and ball players. And then you have a region that thrives on like these rush comps with Ryan's and, and it, even if not Ryan, then Winston comps. And it just doesn't work, right? Like a, against mm. that particular uh, meta iteration. So you just got to lose then if you, if you can't prepare yeah. uh, for that situation. I'm also going to say that I think a lot of coaches in general are gonna i mean they're mostly gonna back themselves and back their own teams and back their own region first of all i don't think anyone because here's the other thing there's been a lot of fan discussion about like i think when your team loses it's like oh my god i can't believe our coaches didn't figure this out like how yeah. can our coaches be so unprepared against ball and the problem i have with that statement as well to defend the coaches a little bit even though in a half second I'm about to rail them is that in their defense like i mean how how were they supposed to know? It's not like they have good ball. Like you said, you said there's no good ball competition anyway. Um, the only teams trying to play that is like Paris, London, and Washington Glads, I guess. It's like four teams. And of those, I'd say none of those four teams are nearly as good as Chengdu Shanghai. And you could say, like, yeah, but you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that all of APAC is excellent at the ball, because you have other teams that are playing it because it's the meta, but would still prefer not to, namely Hangzhou. The Gushu played a lot of ball this last stage, but he looked still way better on the Winston, right? So Yakupong played a lot of ball, but tank line for the NYXL still been a problem. So yeah, they've tried, um, but only two teams out of out of um, APAC were truly mastered, mastered in the ball. So I think there's some defensible positioning there from the coach's POV where it's just like, you know, we know what we're good at. Um, we've, in their mind, they practice against what whatever available ball was in the NA region. They thought it was pretty bad because the teams were pretty bad. But it's hard to know until you get there and you have to understand as well, this Overwatch team, this Overwatch as a esport is, in terms of international competition, is super young. It's literally like a year and a half old in terms of international competition because we had playoffs last year and then we have all of this year for international competition. Previous to that, it wasn't awesome international place, competition. Yeah. It was all one region. We had one region, that's it. 
and anyone that knows esports and has a background at looking at other esports and being a fan of it or now analyzing or doing anything and you look at this i'm going to use league of legends it's the main one um you have this very cross region kind of thing happening where there's so many different regions developing their own metas sort of independently of each other there's always been this discussion of no my region's meta is better no my region's meta is better and then they all clash at a world's event and we see who's actually better um and as years have gone by the korean chinese metas and whatever they're playing end up being better and then the na team start copying them and that's that's the trajectory that league of legends went but early on everyone backed themselves and right now in overwatch we are early on and every region's got to back themselves this is why in june joust shanghai and chengdu and all the rest of the APAC teams back themselves as well. They're like, no, no, we're not going to... Let's lose term warrior stuff. No, no, we're not going to deal with that. And then they had to deal with that because they ended up, you know, mm-hmm. being wrong about it. I ended up being wrong about that meta as well. But, you know, part of, partially that came down to the fact that the bands just favored the NA meta so much better. Um, but I was confident that coming into this com- this tournament that now with Tracer Sombra back and all of that kind of stuff and all the really good dive heroes back, I mean, it's just, it's just a different conversation. So I don't think fans can look at that and being like, oh, why didn't the coaches do this or that? It's like, well, they literally couldn't. Yeah. They, they do not have the adequate practice. Um, it's also, like you said, it's difficult to kind of have the foresight to say, okay, what if we are wrong? How do we, not only how do we practice for it, but do we, do we give ourselves the time to try to think on it or do we just double down and just become the best in our region, right? Um, it's it's kind of the same conversation I feel like we had um, or maybe like we danced around or had adjacent conversations to looking at uh, 2019 with like the stage three goats death with Shanghai coming out, showing some triple DPS um, looks, I believe with far if memory serves. Yeah, that was um, far. and a lot of the same. Very broad gameplay design was kind of showcased here. It kind of, you know, not only does Shanghai win, but they kind of win in a very similar way where they're circumventing the death ball, surrounding it, breaking it apart, um, things of that nature. Um, but yeah, NA teams, I I do feel for them. I think they were put in situations, again, outside of really anybody's control, which we'll probably get into. Um, and it's 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 unfortunate for them, but it's also the nature of competition. Again, like when you have, like Avril said, two very colorful bubbles and they meet, sometimes you just get caught, right? Sometimes there is just a stylistic mismatch and it just happened at a regional level. And that happens. Uh, ideally, that doesn't always happen because you get very lopsided uh, tournaments, tournament results like this, but... Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't fault anybody in NA. I think they, they did their best to try to adapt. Um, Dallas had a few interesting looks, but yeah, ultimately it's no time. A little, little late to the party. Yep. It's no time. You can't like, are you going to spend your time? Cause here's the other thing, you know, the fans have to understand is like, if you're an NA team playing the NA region, why would you be prepping against APAC ball when no one in your region is playing that? And the competition yeah. you are playing against is playing more brawl type compositions. Um, you need to practice and you need to beat the teams immediately in front of you first. You're probably thinking way too far ahead if you're looking at the APAC teams. And then you'll and then we'll look at the situation like, okay, well, well now, now that you've beaten the NA teams and you're one of the top two teams, you're Dallas and you're Atlanta going to Hawaii. Now can you prep for balls? Like, I guess you can start, but there's just not enough time now. And we're gonna get into a whole discussion a little bit later on about all the travel 
disadvantages mm-hmm. and what about all that kind of stuff as well. But I'm, I'm going to put it out there very quickly without diving deep into the topic because I do want to save that for later. And the long and short about my opinion of that is that like even if the NA teams had what did play from home on low ping and had that entire week to prep, they still wouldn't have been prepared enough. Why? Because the APEC teams have been playing this shit for a fucking year. They've been they've yeah. been prepped for this for the entire fucking lives at this point. Their entire careers they played this. Yeah. Right? The entire season they played this. And any teams right. are gonna try and catch up now, it's not gonna happen. That's that's the thing. It feels like to go go back to the metaphor that we had last show, right? Like we had like the grizzly against the silverback. Suddenly there's a platypus that just says like poison is like you know, you'd have no idea what you really do against that. I guess you lose as a silverback roller then. I guess, like, mm-hmm. it's over, right? Like, I, well, I don't know. Like, shotgun. <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a weird set of circumstances. And then paired, honestly, it sucks that we have to bring it up, but with the disadvantages of, of that region in terms of travel, um, it's unfortunate. I will also yeah. say it's not just travel, it's also ping. That is still a little bit worse for the... Uh, sure. NA teams than for the um... I don't think that would have helped I, I'm legitimately of the opinion that let's say they played all on LAN let's say that everyone was on LAN low ping everyone was equal in terms of the amount of practice coming into it the APAC teams in this meta would have won in regardless well, and so anyone that's that, your... I think anyone that disagrees with that would that's your, your half and some hard copying because I don't think the NA teams would have been prepared enough regardless so like basically, if you think like there's no way to catch up, we're now going into Canton Cup. Nobody's practicing for that then, for that comp. So you must think the Eastern Region now is the favorites to win well, the Overwatch League this year. You, okay. In mm. in terms of this, be be clear about something. When I say there wasn't enough time to catch up, I mean in time for the summer showdown. Right now, yeah. if you start trying to catch up now, who knows? The problem with trying to catch up now is we don't even know what the meta is going to be. And let me just drop a real quick tidbit here as well, because I know uh, people listening will be wanting to know this. Uh, but no, we are not going to be talking about hero pools for Countdown Cup uh, this episode. We're going to be saving that discussion for next episode when that information is going to be out. And then we're going to be saving all that for like a nice juicy preview of the Countdown Cup episode rather than trying to tack too much onto one episode here that is not thematically you know, sound into one topic here. I'd, I'd rather spend most of this episode talking about what has happened and the next episode talk about what will happen so but in terms of can na teams catch up in terms of meta well it's like we don't know what's going to be played in the countdown cup and the meta that's going to be playing countdown cup is what all the teams are going to be focused on so really this entire discussion about like what what happens to this ball meta might not actually be relevant until we get to playoffs and then that's when the hero pulls are gone again We've got two cards. We, we've got the, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. I won't even necessarily go there and look like a doofus, but we have two hand reveals to decide the season. We have a playoff patch that undoubtedly is probably coming. Um, and then we have hero pools for countdown, right? Um, those could be very impactful if they mimic or showcase a lot of the same heroes that, the APAC teams uh, have been thriving on. Um, vice versa, it could also benefit the NA teams as well. Like if Sim becomes the new hotness globally, then NA will have the advantage. But it could be none of them, right? There's a lot of just duds that you can just pull that nobody really has the advantage. Um, at least at like a macro level, I'd say. Maybe at like a specific like hero level. Maybe if like Tracer continues to get played. Right. 
maybe APAC kind of can I mean, pull ahead, but it's, it's tough. Let me drop in real quick as well, because I know someone, someone after I just said what I said, has already typed up a comment in the YouTube chat about like, oh, what about when Shanghai and Dream Jouse, they did a 48, 24 hour turnaround versus uh, the Dallas field. Like you're saying teams can't catch up. <laughs> understand that's like a very unique circumstance. Understand that that's, yeah. that is the exception to the rule. Well, and that also they, probably, they that may never happen again. They did it by playing what they know how to play, right? That's yes. They already had a ball in their pocket. They already had something prepped up and practiced. So it's like I'm not saying it's impossible for for an NA team like Dallas or Atlanta to have figured out something within 24 hours. It's, it's not impossible, but it's so improbable that I don't it's think hard. you put money on it. You don't bet yeah. on that. You do Damn not. It. You do not use that. You don't look at. I think it's extremely forehead to look at Shanghai and be like, oh, well, Shanghai did it. You can't say it's not possible. <laughs> like, I'm, yeah, but the, it's it's so unlikely. It's like don't even fucking get into that. Please, please, yeah. please delete that comment now. Like, press the backspace on that comment. You're not correct. It's so rare. It's just because Shanghai did it doesn't mean that anyone else can do it. It is so yeah. rare. Um, but yeah, I mean, this. I think the past weekend was a lot of fun for many reasons. Obviously, because like I think Joe and totally. I were, were much heavier towards APAC. Joe was like super deep in. I'll admit, I was a bit of a coward. Yes, you held me back. I'll blame you a little bit here. Like you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's worse. Uh, Your heart <laughs> held you back. If you remember, mm. you say I'm with my brain and like oh Chengdu and like. Yeah, you didn't yeah, go with your I brain. Wanted, I said, I said, I said, I think it's going to be a potential APAC one to finish. I oh. wanted to pred Chengdu beating Dallas, and here's where I really boomed myself in preds as well. I predded Dallas beating Chengdu because that's what my that's my, my what my heart wanted to do because I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to pred against Dallas. Um, and then because I had Chengdu falling to the lower bracket game straight away, and I accurately predicted that Shanghai were going to be Atlanta. I had predicted that Atlanta was going to beat Chengdu because I thought that was going to be a better matchup for Atlanta. Now, obviously, none of that happened yeah. in Joe's bracket. I think, Joe, you, did you have a perfect bracket? Um, Good, right? I, I wouldn't say perfect, but I picked Not all scores. the games the right way. You picked yeah. all the games, correct. Yeah, yes. so there you go. So you got all the games correct. Obviously, the scores yeah. are something else. Um, so I was never going to get that because my first game was already wrong. But uh, otherwise, mm. like I, I, I was close to going along a similar bracket line to i think joe by the yeah. way we your bracket nearly got booned by Chengdu reverse sweeping shanghai which was fucking exciting we'll get into that as well <laughs> um but yeah and, and this is and this is by the way for 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 and i was debating whether i want to bring this up but you know fuck it i'm 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 controversial <laughs> enough to do it um it's just like the one the one dallas fan that fucking called me out on facebook i'm talking to you right now you listen right now um <laughs> saying i don't look i i i don't have i don't have disdain for Dallas Fuel, first of all, uh, and most and all most of their fans. I say most of their fans because mm. really the disdain I have is for people just like you, just specifically you <laughs> and people like you. That's what I got disdain for. Uh, but the like the ninety nine percent of other Dallas fans and their team, I got nothing against. Understand that I have predated Dallas a lot. Most of my yeah. preds, and I can show you. I can show you my literal preds anytime you want. You could. Yeah, I think you can even look mine up. Maybe I don't know. You'll see that I printed Dallas a fuck ton. I even printed Dallas last week when I didn't want to. Because I, I don't know, I was sipping the juice. I was deep in the, in the Dallas copium, just like you were. And I, and I printed that shit, just like you did. And we were both wrong, because I also printed Dallas. Understand that. Understand that also, like, I don't know, I've said plenty of good things about Dallas. And I'll say plenty of good things about Dallas here as well, yeah. even though they lost. And I still have good hopes for them. I got nothing but love for this. Understand that also, I was one of the biggest, and still is, biggest element mystic supporters and for the longest time i wanted to see that entire team from contenders put together in one overwatch league team 
and now that dream has been pretty much realized in Dallas Fuel. So like that's let's just cut the let's just cut the narrative right there because anyone mm-hmm. saying I'm, I got something against Dallas is completely fucking false. It's actually a lie. That's completely untrue. There's strong evidence. Look at all the stuff I've done, and you'll see that's completely untrue. Uh, as far as the fan discussion goes, that really started when in June Joust, I printed in favor. This is when, by the way, Dallas Fuel, um, Dallas Fuel fan obnoxiousness was probably at, the, at its to- maximum height because sure. they just won May Melee and they're like yeah. two time baby back to back baby that was the entire like narrative right and I and I was contrary to the narrative and I said actually I think Shanghai maybe has this one um and I I specifically put it in favor of Shanghai even though Dallas with a hard favorite coming into it and look mm. it took a lot of effort for Shanghai to win that um, I'll give that to you but the, the some of the comments I got in response to my pred we're fucking disgusting. So those those specific fans that came at me like that, and and you sir on Facebook, you guys can get fucked. Everyone else, though, I'm happy with them. Nice. Uh, Talk I don't your know shit. Where these people are coming from? But yeah, drop kick them. My God, I'm <laughs> a leg cramp. You go on. <laughs> Getting hurt, like um, physically, emotionally. I didn't have a great weekend, guys. I also it's only okay. rolled once. Uh, you know. Rolled, that once. What do you mean rolled? Oh, oh. Not, that's true. <laughs> did have a did have a little D and D session, and this boy literally did nothing. <laughs> Lovely. It's not, not my <laughs> weekend. That wasn't my weekend. It really was. No, 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 no. You know, it's I- it was fun though. It was a good time. I think that moving forward with Overwatch, I would love to see. Or and I know that this is like an impossible like goal or task. Nobody can give this. Nobody can like recreate this. But I think this is exactly what you envision when you look at a an esports league. I guess maybe this is just like kind of circling back to what you were saying earlier, Avril, with like League of Legends bias, like. It's always so fun to look at each region and go, okay, yeah. what are what are the defining attributes of your region? What are you guys good at? What is the team that you're sending as representatives really, really strong at? How does that how could that pair up? How does that match up? I think the styles, and I take this from MMA and boxing, the styles make fights, right? Like you look at the weapons that each kind of person's bringing and how that might match up. How can this, you know, team nullify that person's, you know, uh strength or how can they leverage that weakness? I think that those bring a lot of not only narrative but just like really edible like analysis that you don't really need a ton of like knowledge in the game to understand if you have somebody like a sideshow like a reinforce like anybody on that desk coming out and saying these things and really showcasing that on the broadcast i know that they've gotten a lot of feedback trying to make it as simple and kind of quick as possible but I think just again, I, I've said this for a long time. I think having some sort of supplementary content, maybe outside of Watchpoint. Um, I, I love Reinforce's um, Telestrator stuff. I think that does a great job of dancing around the bigger topics. But when you have competitions like this um, that that are so stylistic and that can be really, you know, fully explored at like a not not a granular level that might be. You may be losing people, but um, there's there's a lot to explore here, especially when we get to you know grand finals, uh, maybe even I, playoffs, right? I don't know if I get the overall point. <laughs> What's the? I think the the point that I'm trying to get around is that 
this was really fun specifically for the different styles yeah it's okay to have different styles and that is the meta the meta is everything that is being played it's just what is hierarchically different how they match up like it's some it's it's more nuanced than just saying there is one meta composition and if you're not playing that you're trolling right and i think that overwatch this is this is getting tangential but um meta game in overwatch is a very uh strange definition comparatively to most things but that's having having different regions developing their own individual metas is what i think leads to some of the best competition ever yes yep. yes you yes you're gonna have blowouts like this and and previous tournaments like uh may Mali where one region dominates the other. And, and just by the way i don't, I don't even know, even know if i consider some of the others blowouts because shanghai always made it to a final so yep. if you want to say apex c2 got blown out i'll give you that one um but shanghai have never been blown out uh mm. anyway the, the point is i think a lot of overwatch fans are not used to seeing this and they're not they're pretty fresh to inter like true regional interregional competition like this um and this definitely breeds the best type of competition because how much hype is there surrounding it when you have this whole mm-hmm. um apac versus anything like who's got the better meta and i won't lie and, and pi- there is a character i play as well in all of this where some of my tweets some of my public uh <laughs> comments are made to stoke those flames some sure. of it because some of it and, and like i i don't i don't just bullshit online um mostly <laughs> i don't just bullshit online for the sake of bullshitting online i there's i will say certain things like yeah i think the apac teams are good here and i think this right. meta is good and i think this is better um usually because i definitely believe that um but there's a level of me stoking the flames for the purpose of stoking the flames and this is part of the character is to stoke the interest because there needs to be some level of disagreement there needs to be someone like me that gets out there and says apac's going to come in and dominate mm-hmm. and then there needs to be someone in the na said that na side that's going to be like NA is going to come in and dominate. Also, yeah. Apex suck, and that's the narrative. There needs to be a little bit of that. I that's think it's a fun. dumb narrative, but that, I'm just I'm I'm being yeah. You know, no, that's part um, of it. Entertaining. You're yeah. I'm, I'm doing that right now. I mean, you're I'm selling still, the fight. I'm, I'm still making fun of NA now because that's part. It's part of it. That's like yeah. that's my. I put my own skin in the game to stoke those flames to make it more exciting. Because now you have now you have you know shots being fired from both sides. Yeah. And there needs to be shots mm-hmm. fired from both sides. And there's not been enough people on the Apex side firing shots, so I fire extra shots. And that makes me a little bit controversial. I get it. I get it. That makes me a little bit controversial. I understand. I, I, but it's, uh, it's, it's a character I enjoy playing. I, I put it. skin in the game, and now I have paint on my skin. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're all going to get ours, you know. We've gotten ours in the past. If they want, um, more, people, if they want more people firing off on, on the Apex side of things, I probably do less of it. And I, I it probably and I do so at my own consequence as well. To my own mm. detriment sometimes because i look i look like some sort of apag bias dude unfortunately um but i have to i have to understand that i might have to wear that hat because not enough people are firing, yeah. no. firing shots from this end i mean you, there needs to be a few more you sort of inherited the torch from wolf that always held up the uh flag for uh <laughs> the eastern region right like that was sort of the thing he was known for and like the comments he got for like uh being this like apac shill and whatnot like and then like that region is was probably the better one last year as well. Like I don't know. It's mm-hmm. it's it's just the way it is, and it's it's I'm also really not, neutral. 
Yeah. I actually like at the end of it, like the if you want to get down to the true yeah, nitty gritty of it, it's like, I actually don't give a fuck. Like I whoever yeah. wins, I just want to see the best team win. Good game. Yeah, I just want to see yeah, a good team. I just want to see a good game. Whoever wins wins. It's all good to me. I'm not yep. on these teams. I don't make extra money on this. I'm not fucking betting on games or anything. I'm not doing anything extra. You know, I don't get yeah. anything. I don't get a bonus. Yeah. If Shanghai win, I don't get a fucking bonus, even though it sounds like I do. I don't. Yeah. I, I wish I did. Shanghai, if you want to give me a bonus, I, I do accept. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I just I specifically say shit to to push some buttons because to to get the games more exciting, uh, and certain people, yeah, I mean I I get a bit of hate for that as well, uh, and I won't lie, some of that has specifically come from Dallas Fuel fans, which is why I've been a little bit more you know pushy on their end, which is why there's been a little bit of pushback. Oh, I get it, you know, it's it's fine. I understand this is what I signed up for, um, but um, you are getting baited by me. Those those people that are doing that, yeah. I'm, I do throw those hooks out there, and you guys get caught hook, line, and sinker every single time. Um, showing, showing a bit of my hand here. You haven't seen all my cards, just a few of them. I, I like to show a couple. Uh, but you know what it comes down to is is the interregional play is the best thing. I said this pre- pre- at some point in the past. The best thing that's mm-hmm. ever happened to the Overwatch League, among other great things. Yeah. But this has been so good for competition. Yeah. If anything, there should be more. Like if you if you compare it to League of Legends, like when you look okay. at um, like the even the out. Outer regions that usually are perceived to not have a chance, they can often punch above their weight uh, because they have a meta read. Like we we saw with Turkey, we sometimes see with with Australia. Like that's Mm -hmm. exciting. If you want, actually, if you want upset potential to be at its highest and feel the most rewarding, you let those ideas just like stew in their own pot all over the world and then you bring them together, right? And then, yes, eventually, like because individually the players are so much better in the main regions most of the time they adapt quite quickly to what's that but you have the initial oomph you have proven your idea to be dominant you just can't like then physically execute it the best most of the time at least right but that's how it should be that's like uh, probably the best way and if you then if you can invent the idea and see it through to the final well then you might have just reinvented like the game you're playing, right? And that mm. deserves a lot of credit as well. So the problem is it's really hard, of course, to to sort of get going, but and also not feel repetitive with the um with the regions. Like we only have 20 teams. Let's say we would have yeah. four regions. We just interplay. That's why well, the in, in an initial like circuit of like yes. moving from I was about to talk about that. Right? Like that would have maybe provided that type of environment where we would have little stews going like over the season, uh, with like teams. You never really get a tribe though. If you're no, because yeah, because like all that. the well, the, logistically speaking, even with four separate divisions, and that's what yes, because you're talking about right. There's meant to be four yeah, divisions. Yeah. It was meant to be four divisions, so maybe four groups across two divisions. So you have Pacific and Atlantic, East and West, and mm-hmm. then those would be divided into twos yep. to to make four groups. Even then, I think it, as far as meta talk goes, a lot of what defines meta is your logistics of who you play and what one percent. Um, and so, all despite there being four regions, I don't think you get four metas. You still have an NA versus APAC side of things because it, the ping means NA only plays NA and APAC only plays APAC at yeah. the end of the day. And whoever you're playing against and what's successful there and what's winning ends up being the meta. That's how metas form. I think a lot of people don't understand where metas come from. And that's why they look at they they blame the coaches like oh these indicators are so dumb how do they not know about this man it's like bro it, the met has formed differently they could never have known and mm-hmm. eye tests don't always work and I'm a pundit everyone everyone's everyone outside doing eye tests we're all pundits at the end of the day and my my specific you know 
uh, comment in my specific opinion was that I believe APAC had the stronger meta meta read, and yeah. I was partially wrong about that in June Joust, and I'm like dead on to it this time around, and partially that's due to the fact that the good dive heroes came back in, and now I think we can get into the real, let's get into some real nitty-gritty discussion about the Shanghai Chengdu side of things. We'll talk about Dallas Atlanta as well, in terms of how all these games kind of shaped up, but we'll start with the Apex uh, team side of things here, guys. Um, I look, Looking at Chengdu and Shanghai, they had the best ball, dive, teamwork, yep. team play compositions ever, and this is where the other thing is, like, I know there were some comments out there about, like, oh, Chengdu's not quarter. It's like, bro, if you, if you watch Chengdu games, and you see how they get these dives going, and how their DPSs connect with Gaga on the ball, you that's a fucking you are you are you're card capping if you're saying yeah. they're not coordinated. Yeah. They are landing on targets and securing kills oh. like nobody's business. Like it's um, tough to read when you're watching the game, but I, I promise you, like Avril's saying, if you review through the replay viewer, you will see patterns emerge. Just like we saw Nisha getting his reses off. Those aren't just like, oh, Nisha's being crazy and kooky again. No, he has coverage to be able to do that. And he gets those off successfully, He's got consistently. Yeah. He's got exactly, someone right? knocking him on his team. Yes. Like, these aren't random occurrences. Yeah. yeah, these these aren't just coincidences that these things happen. It's It's hard to read, right? Like, dive for all of its excitement. It does look like uncontrolled chaos but I can promise you it's yeah. controlled. That's, that's the problem with... So, archetypically, like... I always said, like, if I, if I could design Overwatch, I would have seven heroes. It would be Winston, uh, Winston Diva Dive with, like, the only iteration, like, Genji Tracer, Lucio, and then either the Zen or Ana. I don't care, right? At this point, I'm ready to just say, like, get rid of Winston and do ball. The problem with that is... Winston dives are much more coordinated most of the time and much more viewable and appreciable in terms of the skill that you see. The ball skill is really hard to appreciate because like the difference between getting into the right position or based on map knowledge in one swing and two is game changing. And mm. the skill level that ball players like I don't know if there is a hero in Overwatch where one tricking it and having extended knowledge and skill on it is more rewarded than on ball. And I'm not sure if, if there's ever been a hero where the difference between the best ball players and even like the top five ball players was ever higher. It is actually nuts how high the skill ceiling for this hero is. Uh, yeah. it, what you could theoretically be, um, be optimizing for. Like what this hero requires, you cannot even fathom what that would mean to like a 2017 mm. typical main uh, main tank. Nobody would have the skill from that era, seemingly, unless they were already cracked, right? Like, I don't know. Mm. Like this is like this, especially this meta has broken like a wall for me in the appreciation for ball. Where it's just like, yeah. bro, he has so much tech. He has so many he, paths. He watch, people need to watch ball POV. Yeah. I've gone I've gone back to study a bit of ball POV and it's also for my own benefit because I'm currently practicing for talent takedown. I plan to play a little bit of ball if I can. Um, okay. and trying to learn ball has been some of the most challenging things I've done in Overwatch. And I don't I'm not I'm not a bad player. I'm not also not a good player. I'm a, I'm a fairly average or above average, slightly above average player. Uh, but the amount of ball tech involved and your knowledge of the map and your knowledge of how the mechanics of ball works is the most intense of I think any hero. The only other heroes that I think have anywhere near this level of like skill cap is obviously like Tracer. Tracer's got a mega high yeah. skill cap. Yeah. And 
Yeah. The only other hero that I can say is anywhere close to like if you can gap somebody on a tracer, that's such a huge difference. Um, I think Widow's been there, but that's a lot of mechanical clicking skill. That's a lot of like shooting. So if you have an arms on your team, yeah, you can fucking gap hard pretty hard as well. Um, and then beyond that, like I don't know, to me in like a hard Doomfist era uh, meta, yeah. like yeah. we had double shields one team where Sparkle really made his, you know, uh, to me made his name properly, winning Gauntlet and winning most of the events that season. And that was a hard Doomfist meta. He really diffed people in that here and showed mechanically sure. what you can do in Doomfist. That gave me a lot of appreciation for that here. Even though, like, yeah, Doomfist is a bit of a meme and rank because everyone hates him because he one-shots you in a pro level watching Doomfist POV. To me, there's nothing more satisfying seeing yeah. a, like an expert Doomfist do his thing. But I'm on, I'm on the same page as well. I think Ball was so high skill ceiling, so fun to watch if you know what to look out for. Um, I don't even think ball divers complicated or, or misty or chaotic to watch. You can't tell me this is more difficult to watch than double sim walls and double may walls nah, being dropped at nah, the same yeah, time. Uh, teleported bullshit like that is you can't tell me di ball divers harder to watch than that. The NA meta was so much harder to watch. I I agree. I think the NA meta the NA meta was hard to watch. I think what what people get really lost on is. The approach for a lot of dive i think winston is probably the most viewable because it is just like very straight up back to fr or front to back yep. where ball can be kind of circumventy can be kind of coming in from the side can flank yes um and it does kind of shift the perspective from the viewer's side yep. of things where you think okay main tank leads the charge starts the fight is the initiator from the front not from the back or the side or swinging in from above like it does get messy there, and I think that yeah. that catches a lot of people that, a little weird. Um, but yeah, like you said, double that, May walls, sim everywhere, double diva bombs. Like it's yeah, it, it's not an easy game to watch. Period. That that's the thing about ball, which is probably harder. May, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe people understand it. I, I I don't have the the insight into that, but I feel like Winston is pretty easy to understand and like to. So Winston gets in. Now he's in. He's committed. Like, there's not much he yeah. can do. Like, you see the gigantic bubble on the screen. That sort of dominates it. Mostly in the middle of it. Primal is a pretty loud, like, ultimate to see. Like, th that dominates sort of the uh, feel of the battle. It's very rarely, like, used in these flanky scenarios. Mm -hmm. For Ball, you can be the center of attention. You can be the guy that has a five-man, uh, like, knock-up. You can also be the guy that just rolls in from the from behind using some crazy tech around like an, an inaccessible corner that the uh, observer doesn't catch and just kill the zen and get out right that's also ball and i think that that finesse and that it added the dimension adds to it and also unfortunately mines is not that if anything it's an annoying ability yeah it's not a great one it's not like you know, the double punch, like, appreciation of Primal, where you're like, okay, yeah. this guy, like, hits the double hit. Actually, it's, it's like, oh, dude, now they can't touch point, bro. Let me, tell you, let me tell you something about Mines that never gets caught, and this is why people don't appreciate Mines. Yeah. What is never seen, and, you know, nothing against the observers. It's, 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 it's tough to observe. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, I'm never going to be the guy who be like, oh, the observers didn't catch this. But one thing you, because it's a tough job, one thing you, you have to realize is, 
part of the great minds plays that almost never gets seen unless you're going to replay viewer is when minds get dropped down and a ball player knows exactly mechanically how to position their ball to then push people into mines or mm. get get secure specific mine kills all you see is somebody died at the minefield on a kill feed you yeah. have no idea how it happens you assume, oh, maybe they're stupid. They just yeah. walked into it, or maybe this or that. But yeah. then you go back and replay. You're like, damn, this ball player actually did this tech that then got this player into the mines. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of the great mines actually mean nobody ever dies from the opposing team. So, for instance, like the situation that Joe talked about, where like Dallas should have won Volskaya. They did not um, like stall the point long enough. It was mainly because there were great mines on, on the point as well, and it was really hard for Fearless to keep contesting it without instantly dying to mines. But had yep. he touched it, then like the supports would have swooped in. That would have been another 30 seconds. In the end, as you pointed out correctly when we watched it, like in the end, that was exactly the attack that won Chengdu the map in the end. Where they could have, theoretically, there's absolutely a position where Fearless could have contested longer, the supports touch the point, and the rotation starts, and they can waste more time. But because the mines were so well placed, it was very hard to do and execute. And in the end, Fearless dies pretty much off point, I think, as far as I remember. Uh, or, like, ran into like mines, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Talk, guys, let's get into, because um, obviously... Joe and I, I mean, this Yiska's, Yiska's opinion here will be really interesting as well, but I think Yiska and I were, because we were high on the APAC teams, I think we kind of touched on why we were high on the APAC teams, and now, you know, we're, we're kind of in a discussion of, like, a, a bit more hindsight, and I can say right now, it's just, like, to me, Dive has always been the highest skill ceiling um, composition to play, and the reason for that is because of the amount of coordination you need to get all your players on target across the map. To me, it's easy to coordinate when your team is all together as a stack. Yes. If you're a full stack yeah. of six and goats, you know where everybody is, and yeah. you can account for all the other members on the other team as well because they're also stacked in the six, and you just like slam into each other like freight trains. Uh, the chaos begins in the freight train itself, but beyond that, I mean, you 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 can account for everybody. You can account for all 12 players. In a dive, you don't know where the 12 players are. You don't even know where the players in your own team are. They could be somewhere else on the map. You're, you have to trust the comms. You have to understand the timings of when your ball and your tracer can align onto certain things like that. And then the opposite is true when you're playing against those heroes. So because it can be such a mess in terms of how much map coverage has been taken and understand there's another, there's a lot of mini game happening on the map is here as well mm -hmm. in terms of how flanks are controlled tracer versus tracer tracer and ball versus ball in that particular mirror a lot of that comes on a health pack control and flank control and who's winning that kind of mini skirmish on the side and how much map control you can get out of that that's a lot of the nuance of dive uh, that's you that, that never gets shown onto screen because that's not exciting no one no one wants to look at map control everyone wants to look at you know what your main damage deal like where your stack is going where the stack is is typically what we watch and i watch yep. um and so to get that all on on the same page in a coordinated dive, then with like Sombras as well and all that kind of other stuff is pretty complicated. And to nail that as a team, very difficult to do because it's also mechanically. So it's it's teamwork skill ceiling mega high. But mechanically, so you look at every single hero on this ball dive Sombra team composition goes trace the Sombra ball. Diva, Zen, Brig. That's the that's the majority of it. Sometimes you swap out the Diva for a Zarya. I don't quite like it when Chengdu do that, but I know Late Young loves playing Zarya. But let's just say it's those six heroes now with maybe a bit yeah. of Zarya. Every single one of those six uh, six heroes, I think, is mechanically very, very hmm? can be quite challenging to play to get the most out of. 
And before anyone says like, oh, Sombra easy, do what, look at Lip and how much of a gap he yeah. creates on Sombra, then tell me if that shit's easy. Um, yeah. Yvelto as well, played out of his damn line on Brig. Brig, yeah. he's proving why Brig can even be a hero with a mega high skill ceiling, because the amount of times he shut down Lip and that first Chengdu versus Shanghai mm-hmm. game and his impact on the Brig, yep. I think that was the best Brig I've ever seen this entire season. I also think it's Yvelto's best performance this entire season as well. And after watching Agreed. that, I was like, dude, Nisha's never going to play again. I remember I was but, coaching on the graveyard. Like, we're both just like, I don't think Nisha's going to get game time after this. Yvelto's on a different but, level currently. Th- that's, by the way, um, I had a post-match interview with the Chengdu Hunters after the match with Jinmu and uh, uh, Luke, the g- general manager. And it's coming out, like, by the time this release, this was already coming out. But in the interview, he mentions, like, their weakness this year is Lusukums. They are, like, that's, they want to not play that if it's possible. They think that, like, their brig is really strong, but the Lucio Mm. thing, that's, like, their weakness. And, I mean, based on what you just said and what we saw, like, definitely the case. Like, Ivaltal just, like, slapped that. And I think, like, inherently, they actually want to play... Nisha, in terms of like what they are, what the person person Nisha brings to the table, is just like Ivaltal on break is just so good. Yeah, Nisha's got mm. better intangibles. And not sure better, but in that situation that they were in, especially in the final, I think that's what they preferred. Is what I heard. Again, okay. keep listening to Luke and. Uh, Did you ask him about Amon and Gaga and the swaps there? Yes, and it's about like positivity. Um, so I. Among is like, if you're down in a series, is my take, how I interpreted that. Like, they are already, like, underdogs against Shanghai. So the team goes into that that match in a certain mindset. And uh, Among is just, like, this guy that has a really positive mental attitude that can bring it out and is not, like, you know, is still a really strong ball player. So they decided to give him some time on that. And that was basically the the idea behind uh, playing him. But... Yeah, I, I mean, I think if you have sh- such a behemoth in front of you, I think you got to play. That you got to try right. some, right? Like, mm-hmm. so, so that so basically, what I was explaining is like why I thought the APAC teams were going to have an edge this tournament, yeah. and also because I think Ball engaged versus Sim Stack. Like Ball loves that shit. You're just going to get a massive oh, yeah. slam and huge value and all that kind of good stuff. And you want to engage with the Sim TP onto a Ball comp. They disengage so fast, you will not catch anybody. Is, is basically what it came down to in my head. I mean, did you have similar thoughts? Or like, why did you think? Why did why did you have so much faith in APAC? Um. So uh, this is this is this is a big one. Um, I agree <sighs> that like ball ball for me was the focal point. Um, NA's comps never really had like a good swap into ball. It felt like it felt like a lot of teams. You look at Philly. Um, uh, I can't even remember anybody from NA specifically, but I know that some teams did it. It might have been Boston. I could be wrong. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Doing what? Um, doing like this the the Sombra May, right? So they would want to okay. they would want to continue with their style being the Death Ball. They want to kind of zone people off with the May Wall. They want to run as a clump, but they also want to try and deal with this Wrecking Ball. And one of the best ways you can deal with Wrecking Ball is if you have a passive Sombra, just sit with your team, maybe, you know, slightly mm-hmm. in a pocket, hacking the ball on the way in. He doesn't get any value. You burst him down. You play from there. The problem is that if you, <laughs> if you just don't engage, as dumb as that sounds, the team with the May Sombra, so the Death Ball team, just doesn't have any damage. You don't do anything. So, like, yes, they've lost their engage potential, but 
other opportunities that don't look like engage potentials just become pick potential and you just kind of slowly lose the fight. Yes, May Sombra has a big engine where it's like EMP can build snowball, but who are you snowballing? Uh, snowball, I mean Blizzard. Um, if you like, maybe you pick a, you, you get a pick with Blizzard, maybe you win that fight, maybe you build, you know, Earth Shatter, yeah. but who are you Earth Shattering, right? Like nothing really, <laughs> nothing, nothing really beats it is, is not true. Um, but there's no good swaps for this like archetype, the skeleton of what NA wants to run and has been practicing to beat it, right? Um, mm. In a weird way, like in June Joust, I think the best solution for these NA teams was to mirror and just try to like coin flip it. If you can coin flip, maybe get into a groove, maybe try to mirror them as, as analytically boring in general as that is, I think Dallas in particular would have had a better edge if they tried um, to mirror, not specific. And that's where it gets tough because you can't mirror the ball. Um, but I think what Dallas showed was probably the the way forward for NA team specifically. It, it's asking a lot, but you think that instead of what Shanghai shown in the in the in the Chengdu Shanghai matchups, because if anything, I think Shanghai showed what is a possible counter. <laughs> No, I think Dallas would lost. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, we'll, and we'll. I mean, do you go, we can talk about Shanghai first or Dallas first. Maybe it's a little bit more relevant to talk about Shanghai first because they were. Oh, so you're talking about like the Reaper stuff? Yeah. So what Shanghai did was they ran um, mm -hmm. Reaper Sombra with like an Anna. Oh, let me just bring. I'll just Anna's, go find the one. Anna Zen was on route, but um, so it yeah, was. It was mainly Reaper. It was mainly built around Reaper. Reaper yeah. Sombra is the core. Uh, Reaper, oh yeah, it was Lucio Anna, I believe, was what it was. Yeah. So, uh, what ended up happening there? So let me bring it's, it's, it's Sombra, uh, Reaper, uh, Winston Diva, Lucio Anna. Anna. So it's got some looks from the previous June Joust meta, namely it's got the Reaper, Winston, Lucio Diva part of it. So that's all June Joust, and then you got the Sombra from this meta, and then you've had the Anna, which is just generally good with the with both a Reaper and a uh, Winston, right? So that just kind of works in that regard. Mm. Um, and the reason why Shanghai can run something like this is because they had a really good look in June Joust. Obviously, they showed that their capability to play, you know, that that June Joust core, Lucio Reaper stuff. They they showed that they can be the best team on that, even above Dallas Field, which was very impressive. So they got that in the back pocket the entire time. Also, they're a team that is far more comfortable running this Lucio compared to a team like Yiska said Chengdu, who don't really want to run the Lucio. Um, so that's that was Shanghai's quote-unquote counter to the ball comp um and it's not it, there are some key differences here compared to what maybe the fuel were even running so if i look at what fuel were doing they were doing tracer sombra winston diva brig anna so the only things this is what dallas were missing in that comp was the reaper and the lucio um and i don't know i'm trying to figure out in my head as well if that, if that makes all the difference in my head it's not even a hard count i don't think shanghai's comp hard counters chengdu's comp with the ball in any sort of way but i think what it does do is it has a lot more i feel like you can't engaging on this team is, is a little bit different because the reaper yeah. specifically punishes the ball just that much more mm -hmm. obviously the somber does but the somber existed anyway yeah lucio has the disengage and, and engage options um and it's just like a different style of playing for shanghai that just goes back a little bit more it's just ever so slightly different from what the na teams were trying to do they ended yep. up being successful I think, 
I think in a natural progression for NA teams, I think this is probably where I'd like to see them end up. Um, in hindsight, I think maybe if Dallas wanted to run something akin to what they were doing in Melee and June Joust, running like the Moira Lucio and just being super high tempo with like a Reaper, a Sombra, like Winston skeleton uh, or archetype, whatever you want to kind of call it. Um, I think that would have been successful. Um, Atlanta is a little bit dicier. Um, I think the way that I looked at that in the finals for Shanghai Chengdu, it, it didn't feel like Chengdu really expected or had an answer for it. I felt like the comp in general that Shanghai chose to run um, to try and counter Chengdu, it, it felt like there were there were some things that you could leverage. I think regarding just effective range for the composition in general could have been leveraged a little bit better, especially on maps like Eichenwald. I think there are plenty of maps where um, if I'm going to be, you know, really on the nose, I think Jinmu is in the game. You obviously have main supports that can play Mercy. I would have liked maybe have a maybe a Farah look looks a little bit versus ball or competitive. Well, it's not versus ball. It's with ball. Um, the ball, you have the Zen to try and trade. I think both tanks, both main tanks are in like a really awkward position where they really don't get to enjoy the game. One is faced with a Discord orb and a DPS just raining hell on them, and the other one is getting hacked constantly. Um, I think in that point, if the, the Wrecking Ball isn't providing value, I think you can go Winston and your, your comp still kind of works fine. I can say that the Shanghai comp that they ran to eventually soft counter, but I still say soft counter. I don't think it's a hard counter. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Is is that uh, there's a couple of ways to look at this, but like Anna punishes ball quite heavily, but so does Zen. Discord, you could argue, is a really big. The thing is, I would argue that the base mirror composition actually punishes ball harder because you have Tracer Sombra Zen, which can all just pump damage sure. onto the ball. Tracer specifically, which chases down ball really effectively. That's the easiest way to secure a kill into the ball. Um, it's it's got to be coming through from the tracer in, in my belief. So mm -hmm. actually, getting rid of the tracer for a reaper is an interesting look, and that's probably why the Lucio is there as well to really assist the reaper in getting in. And the anners that to prevent the ball dive. So it's maybe it's like an almost defensive look from the Shanghai Dragons, but it's also quite offensive as well with the Lucio. And I'm still trying to rack my head. I'm you can tell I'm kind of struggling to explain Shanghai's comp effectively because to me, I still don't have all the angles looked at and figured out. And I, I, I'll be honest. I haven't looked in the replay view to really, really nail down the specifics of it yet. But I can yeah, see, no. I can see where it can be effective. Uh, but to me, on paper, I think it's about Shanghai saying, "Why mirror them? Like they can't change. We can change." Sure. Um, yeah. And I think playing into the mirror helps them because Chengdu are very knowledgeable in, in the exact ball mirror. They know what they're mm -hmm. doing. Versus a different comp where we can throw them a different look and we can be effective. That we being Shanghai here. That totally. seems like a winning strategy, and that ended up being a winning strategy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, in, in no way. Um, let me be very clear. I don't think. I I don't think that Shanghai should have mirrored. It was more of a criticism towards Chengdu, to, uh, and again, a big. You know, this is a this is a large ask for a team that's adapting to an adaptation, right? Like, that's that's a lot. That that's some high level stuff that I think you have to do on the fly. However, I do think there were things I would have liked to see them try. Let's put it that way. Um, I think maybe the Echo, yes, Chengdu. 
Um, I think Shanghai had a great, again, I love the Reaper response. I think it's creative. I think it properly punishes. One thing that I actually interested in looking at is looking at where late Young's Divas position. That could be another big target for them just to bust him out, have him run off. They don't have a ton of healing. You look at, you know, once your uh, once your packs are run out on uh, Ivatal's break, right? You don't have a ton of direct healing. You're kind of relying on just offensive presser, kind of like keeping them off of you. And the tiny amount of burst healing you you do have are soaked into tanks. So that means your Tracer and your Sombra have to play for the like literally just for themselves. Um, so Leon played a Lazari, remember? Sure, sure. And that's that's even a worse target to to get jumped on, right? If you don't have your personal cooldowns and you're out of position, you're yeah. kind of. I think, just I think Zari gets. I think Zari gets owned by Speeding Reaper, honestly. Yeah. 100%. And that's why I think you put him on the D.Va, which is correct. Obviously, a weaker hero for him. Um, not known for his hero pool um, or the depth of his hero pool. Um, so that's that's maybe where I think they could have leveraged, if I have to guess. Um, yes, Gaga has the uh, threat of the hack into the Reaper pressure, but I think majority of this probably is coming from late young, kind of in unintentionally eating a lot of resources, taking a lot of harmony time, taking a lot of packs to himself. Everybody else has to play with very, very low resources, which which caused them to be kind of starved and and kind of have to make some hero plays, right? And I think you don't I think you can leverage some of that um with some some hero swaps. Again, it's a, it's asking a lot from a team that again, you're adapting to an adaptation of an adaptation, right? Um, it's it's not easy. Yes, go. Shanghai Chengdu. Yeah. Um well, which time around? Generally speaking, or either time, both times, generally speaking. Um, the thing is, I think it was really important for Shanghai to win the first match. I'm not sure what happens if they go down to the lower brackets. Um, and we didn't we didn't see Fuel Shanghai actually. We yeah. didn't see that matchup. Yeah, yeah. I think that would have been interesting to see if if there was theoretically speaking, probably shouldn't change. I'm, I'm not even. I think I'm pretty sure that. Like even Chengdu wins that, Shanghai comes back in the final. I don't yeah. think that that's unlikely, uh, especially seeing how how gap they felt later on. But I will say, mm. like I I feel like the timings of those matches is not inconsequential to how much preparation you have for the uh, for the final. Because if you are the winner bracket final team, you are done way earlier uh, yeah. with mm. playing and can Definitely. prep for. Your potential finals opponent. I don't think Shanghai had a lot of trouble discerning that. Unlike me, that <laughs> Dallas was going to lose that one. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I think that that one was important. Um, in the end, I don't know. Like, it's it's on. I specifically asked Jinmu if he was surprised that he was the designated. Uh, Sombra player on that team and um, given that it's so big right like they have 11 players theoretically of chase yep. and everything like he's he's the projectile guy he said no he wasn't surprised the thing is like and he also specifically said that he feels secure in having like such a lot playing in such a large roster so you don't have to grind all these heroes <sighs> I'm not sure if it, he's it dude like and you don't like Sombra I, I, I mean you're playing against Lib in the comparative position like i'm not saying he's not the best choice for the chengdu hunters 
I'm sure. saying like you should have better better choices than Jinmu if you're the Shangri Hunters. If you well, actually think already he did well. a... I think con considering I think that, that was, using yeah. that as an example, I think he did well considering Lip was like the Sombra. Yeah. Yeah, I think Jinmu did super well considering he was up against Lip. Yeah. Um I don't know of anybody that looked at that and be like, man, Jinmu Sombra ain't it. I think Jinmu Sombra was actually just more than adequate. Yeah. If anything, that wasn't it to me <clears throat> was um the main differences aside from the comps, I don't think the comps, the comps threw a different look, which might confuse Chengdu a little bit. And then Chengdu did play a little bit of, you know, roster roulette where they just like, oh, now we're playing Nisha. Now we're playing Yveltal. Mm. Now we're playing Amunk. So there was a little bit of that going on. I think that's when you start to see Chengdu fall apart. But even before then, the first sign to me was that you didn't have the pop-offs happening that Chengdu were happening in that winner's bracket. Namely, yeah, yeah. And it's hard to rail. I'm not going to rail on the guy because I think he had an amazing game. But Yavalto, you you can't expect Yavalto comes to the grand finals and pops off just as hard as he did in the winners bracket. If he does, it's, it's incredible. But he played so well in the winners bracket finals. I don't think anyone can really repeat that performance again. Like lightning doesn't strike twice like that usually, unless you're some sort of god tier player like Leave apparently. Um, yep. but yeah, Yavalto was not destroying a lot of you know why. Actually, if you'll notice the first winners bracket game, Lipton get high value, and Jimmy yeah. actually got a reasonable amount. A lot of that was because Yavalto shut down Lip so hard all the time. Yvalto really gave, me, gave Lip a hard game. Um, and that didn't happen in the grand final again. To not even to Yvalto's fault. Like, again, you can't just expect him to repeat his insane performance. Um, Monk, I saw, had a little, said some, he was probably the only player in the grand final that really popped off um, on the Zen specifically. He got some yeah. good damage, mm -hmm. got some good kills. Everyone else, I think, started to fall flat. And yes, even Leave, I, didn't, I think Leave didn't even pop off as hard as he did in his winner's bracket final. So he didn't even yeah. get that superstar performance. So everybody but outside of Monk, but Chengdu to me kind of fell flat in the in the finals versus Rank Dragons. Yep. What what I have to say about like APAC is, and I haven't looked at the stats, but it feels so strongly to me that this is oh, the case. Yeah, is the yeah. is the 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 success rate of bombs for Fledder and Leave is something else we like we see in in NA. It's not like like it's like. The the aim and like the even the the uh, blink uh, um, management and whatnot that's on par in NA. Nobody's sticking them like the, those two are. Like it, it's actually mm -hmm. nuts. Like profit I mean, is even flat are getting more pulse sticks, pulse yeah. sticks, and also pulse kills, pulse value. Generally speaking, yeah. like profit, honestly, like his bombs are probably not half as uh, significant as Flutter and uh, Leafs were. Like. Yeah. Dude, leaves like 180 disgusting flicks at times, right? Like, I don't know. And yes, like leave, of course. It's unfortunately very often the case that when your team is so heavily slanted towards like one superstar player, that it therefore also is much easier to shut it down because you can just reallocate sources. Almost everyone else on, uh, on Chengdu, like, I mean, late young against Void. Just think about that, That's right? Tough. Right? Yeah, that's that that's a roughie. Like I, I'm, I don't mind Gaga fate. Uh, that's that's probably possibly even the winning matchup for uh, Chengdu there. But like, if it, you can't just have these consistently insane performances by Leaf, and it's unfortunate. You could argue you sh you should have rather like turned it down a little bit against Dallas, and you would have rather had those pop offs in the. In the finals, it I would don't have still think you can, you can choose well, yeah. when. Yeah, of course yeah, not. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if you could allocate stats points, if you could. I don't think you yes. needed necessarily in order to de be Dallas. You would have absolutely needed it to in order to have a chance in these grand finals, right? 
I, I think Agreed. if if the winners bracket final was the grand final, like that is, I, I almost think that is the real grand final because the real the actual grand finals was debatably, in my opinion, it's actually not a debate. I think the grand finals was not that exciting. Oh, I think no. every other match was. Even the three zeros the APAC teams got against the NA teams were super exciting just because the novelty of seeing NA versus APAC even yeah. if it was a 3-0 stop, those were more entertaining to me than watching Dragons beat Chengdu 4-1. Now, the, the winner's breaker final was excellent. I, I think that is maybe the highest showcase of ball dive ability ever yeah. uh, between two teams versus yeah. each other. The fact that Chengdu nearly got a reverse sweep, and can I break down for a second as well what you know what actually happened on that last map? And this is sure. something that for some reason uh, I think some people may have missed, but Shanghai absolutely abused the fact that Chengdu has no flexibility in their lineup, and that's maybe the biggest weakness of Chengdu. It will always be the biggest weakness of Chengdu, perhaps for the rest of the season and the foreseeable future, um, because they have no capability of playing any other comp than the one they're good at. And yeah. look, if you are good enough to win on your comp and People are just mm. going to say, like, oh, Chengdu's a meta-dependent team. In, in, in one sense, absolutely, you're correct. They are a meta-dependent team. But in another sense, the meta that they're dependent on is typically going to be the best meta when there are no hero bands. And once we get to the playoffs again, there's no hero bands, and yes. they get to play all the stuff they want, they're fine. Yeah. So I think being a meta-dependent team is okay if you always get to play your meta. Now, to get to what I'm actually trying to talk about is, if you looked at the last map, especially Mecha Base, there's the one sub-map, that is the one you really want to look at as, as a case yeah. study. Shanghai rolled out on a brawl and Chengdu were not prepped for it because they had no idea it was coming. In their minds, they had shaken a gentleman's agreement with Shanghai that says we're both just going to play dive the entire time. And Shanghai, in that last minute, you know, they betrayed that. There wasn't actually a real gentleman's agreement, but I think Chengdu just expected Shanghai to play dive again. And Shanghai were like, ah, we can bring a different look here. We can actually play brawl. And you know what? Yeah. Chengdu and I are going to expect us to play brawl. And then Shanghai just completely confused and surprised Chengdu, who at that stage were going to be heavily behind, even if Chengdu lose that fight, go back to spawn, change into a, a, a good team composition to counter it, you're already behind the eight ball versus a team like Shanghai that's so good at controlling tempo. And people, no one can look at that and say, or you shouldn't look at that and say, oh yeah, well, obviously Brawl's the better team comp there. Like, how did Chengdu not know that was going to happen? Because yeah. they thought that Shanghai wouldn't do that. Now, if this was Chengdu versus Dallas, Chengdu versus Atlanta, of course they would expect that those two teams would bring out a Brawl. Of course Chengdu would play the counter comp. They would roll out with the counter comp, but Chengdu rolled out on the wrong comp because yes. Shanghai made a calculated gamble and they rolled up big time. Yeah. That completely you, boomed Chengdu out of the winners bracket final, in my opinion. Let's let's run down Chengdu's composition because I think this shows exactly it shows their hand, and in in reality, it also shows Shanghai's hand, right? So Chengdu's running McCree, Torbjorn, Arisa Diva, Baptiste, Brigitte. That's entirely great at like Avril saying beating a dive archetype, right? You have so much CC to kind of zone out people. You don't get a ton of value. The ball's yep. not getting anything done. You have lamp to kind of survive any kind of big plays. You, you, that's, that's what they were trying to beat. They said, okay, we have the gentleman's agreement, but we're going to try and counter you, right? We're going to try and sneak this in here and give you a look. Shanghai, living rent-free in their head, counters the counter before they even show it. Yep. Like, that's the, the level read. of mind gamery. Yeah, yeah. The reads... That that are going like, Pro yes, of course. How could you have you know known? But that's the kind of risk that Chengdu went for, and the risk that Chengdu or that Shanghai also went for. Because if Chengdu comes out on dive, yep. they get the tempo control. So it was exactly. a perfect storm of like 
this has to happen, then this has to happen, yeah. this counters this, and we think that the, like it's <laughs> Joe, I, I... It... Dude, I heard, I heard people like, why, why would Chengdu play that comp? Like, obviously Shanghai come on Brawl. It's like, no, obviously Shanghai we're not going to come out on Brawl. Yes. Chengdu expected them to play Dive. And of it's just course. like, the the, 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 my, the reading, the reads that both teams had made total sense in Shanghai's read in particular. Whoever's the genius behind the scenes that did that, whether it's Void, the captain on the team, or whoever's constructing the team comps, maybe it's Moon or another coach, it is. That was the most nine-hand thing I'd seen yep. from Shanghai. And all they had to do was play Brawl. Crazy, it's also maybe as a bit of context. Of course, this region is not great, like not big. So meaning, you probably only have so many scrim partners. Oh yeah, and if you're a quality team, that probably also means in the run up to to the uh, to the tournament finals, you probably played each other at uh, every once in a while. Maybe you even scrimmed that particular map against them, and then the. That, it's unfortunately the case that sometimes you don't even get the levels of mind games that are going on there because you don't have the contextual knowledge of um, mm -hmm. of like whatever they scrimmed against each other, right? But yes, like in the rock paper scissor, like atomic bomb, if you do not have like more than one uh, hand sign, you mm. you're unfortunately out outmatched very often. Right, like it's you don't have if you don't have more than one hand sign, you don't get a full jutsu. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't you can't be shooting the fireballs if you just have one. Exactly. You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I I I think this this dances around a really interesting discussion when it comes to like big macro strategy regarding like what is a standard composition, what's safe versus everything, or what is the safest versus everything, but like not super strong in any particular way, and what is tailored counterable or or the counter to right um this was very much like chungdu tried to come up with a tailored strat with a logical like assumption that shanghai was going to come out on dive shanghai read that and continued that that thought process saying if they think mm -hmm. this then we can do x i think my biggest critique uh for chungdu would probably be um why not just swap? I, I, I don't I don't like this matchup for for Chengdu. I, I think you can hmm. I don't like giving that up, but I think it's better than you digging yourself swap. a hole. You want a full yeah. six man swap. I want a full I want an identification within the first five seconds of the game. Maybe McCree just running uh over the hump of uh, Mecha Base at the at the high ground, or maybe coming in from the uh from coast side identifying that they're playing brawl and then making the call or having that kind of practiced that if they come out with something that you know we don't like the look of we can go so, back and we can then we you can know what swap they did? dive i'm sure you checked through the vod as well but what they actually did was the swap they made was jimu goes from torb to doomfist that was the one swap they made yeah that's it that's all they did and i'm, and I'm with you i'm like that is, does seem a little strange to me it does seem a little strange that they wouldn't just change more and what's funny about this whole situation is, and this is maybe where we end the discussion on Shanghai Chengdu, mm. um, is that the whole narrative would have been so different if Chengdu actually came out on their standard dive composition um, expecting either a Shanghai Mirror or Shanghai to go brawl, and Shanghai perhaps maybe getting rolled on their brawl composition because there's no way they can catch up to anybody and find sure. any sort of engage while Chengdu yep. runs circles around them. Then we, everyone, the, the, the entire narrative would have been like, oh man, Shanghai is so stupid. Why would they run Brawl versus Chengdu? That's so dumb. Right. 
Whereas yep. now it's just like, oh my god, like why would Chung, why would Chung do not run brawl? Why would they not expect the brawl? It's just, it's it, it, everyone has such hindsight, twenty twenty, yes. and it's like, hard to fight that. It's, it's, everyone, it's, well, the problem is, most people here, here the real G's out there are the ones who make their preds before they know what the fuck has happened. The people, the people that are three head are the ones that after they've seen the game and they've seen the result, and they know what's already happened. Then they're like, oh, why, why didn't a team just do this? Like, bro, where was your pred beforehand? Did you see this yeah. coming? No, you didn't see this coming either. Yeah. You also yeah. got boomed. Yeah. You, 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 unless you got skin in this game, I feel like it's it's so easy for people to look backwards. Hindsight 2020 is like, oh, well, obviously this team should have done this. It's like, well, did you know that beforehand? Bring your print mm. out next time if you knew that beforehand. Anyway, um, yeah, it would have been a totally different story if Chengdu actually just came out on their normal comp. And then who knows what happens after that? Like, what, what did we play? Mecha Base and um, Downtown? Yeah, that- we would have had Sanctuary next. Yep. Sanctuary is a good Sanctuary is actually the best ball map of all three, by the way. Um, and then I guarantee both teams play ball. There's no way you bring out a different look on that. The only different look might be like Sigma Ball, but even then, that's potentially too slow. So who knows? I think Chengdu potentially win that when his bracket final. Do I then think Chengdu win the grand finals or they come through from the upper bracket? Probably still no, because I think Shanghai, when you actually look at their grand final, how prepared they were versus Chengdu versus the other way around. Shanghai have the capability to throw way more looks, and Chengdu just don't. That will always be Chengdu's weakness, and Shanghai will always have that as an edge. Um, and also, this is Chengdu's first ever final, by the way. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if there were some nerves coming through sure, from players in their sure. first ever final. Um, and whereas Shanghai, how, they've been in how many finals? And they've won how many Three finals? Straight. They've had, I believe, five titles now. I think that's the record. They have five titles, which I believe is one more than Shock, but Shock do have two championships. So Shanghai are the most like veteran team you can possibly get in terms of how many titles they've won and been to. Yeah. I mean, yes, sir. That's also something that uh, Luke pointed out. It's like, and it's it's an interesting aspect that maybe uh, snuck up on us a little bit is a lot of the teams that are doing well in Overwatch League actually have established cores that have played for each other for a long time, right? Like, Shanghai has been together in this constellation for a hot minute, while yep. yeah, Hunters are like, Eight months in with most of those players, so um, it's it's a bit of a different scenario. And then, of course, like the the finals, um, like uh, experience that the hunters like is, of course, also something that was tangible. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think the the only other thing that I'd love to highlight, and I I won't get too far into it, is the exploration of assault maps i think we're finally not finally that's that's unfair to say but we're seeing a fun evolution of a game type that we haven't necessarily um seen before or or we're seeing it finally leveraged in the right ways and that's going to be very interesting moving forward not too far forward though because that one is gone (laughs) That's true. Watch yes. this. You, can't, you can't go too far forward. Yeah. I'm gonna miss um 2CP some assault gameplay moving forward. Yeah. Uh, because I think at the highest level it is it is interesting to watch. Um okay, speaking of moving forward though, everyone in the audience right now is like, how come you guys haven't talked about Rain and Dallas yet? This is what we do talk about them. Oh. And the reason why we haven't talked about them as yet is because <laughs> we're gonna get into how they did versus Chengdu and Shanghai respectively. And wanting to talk about Shanghai and Chengdu first would made more sense to talk about those two teams versus each other. But now guys, Rain and fuel we were already touching on fuel a little bit so we might as well start with that um but fuel's response to Chengdu 
was okay so in the first matchup what do they play um i'm going to do a little bit of research here so in the very first matchup they came in and they had doha on the uh sombra as well i think their response was we're going to play what we're good at what are we good at we have sparkle who is way more than just service war and tracer now fantastic still mm-hmm. i think he got diff by leave because leaves like you said yes leave was on a different level here with his tracer doha should be the narrative said that Doha, and I perpetuated this narrative, so I'm, I'm to blame. Uh, Doha was maybe the second best Sombra after Lip. I think Doha's Sombra was not really that high performing this tournament. I would actually argue Jimmu's Sombra was high performing. Um, and then you have Fearless on a Winston, which is without a doubt his best hero. And then you have the rest of the core of the Dallas field being, you know, the Lucio Moira core, which they were so successful on previously. That That is without a doubt, in, in my opinion, probably Fuel's best comp. Any, any type of Winston-based composition with his Lucio Moira, or some sort of Anna-based comp. Maybe Anna Brig, Anna Mercy, Anna... Anna anything, Anna Lucio even. Um, that's going to be Dallas's bread and butter. So they tried that first. That was that was the original thing. It was like, we're going to play what we're good at, and we know that Tracer and Sobra are good versus ball. Let's let's bring that up as the primary and see how it goes. And then Chengdu start running some circles around them. Um, Chengdu do their thing. Ball's obviously quite hard to punish, even when you have those heroes. We start looking at other options. Okay, Hanbin goes Zari now. Doha goes over towards the... the uh, the Echo, which he's been traditionally quite good on. Now you have Field on the Anna as well. You can hard pocket Fearless. Let's see if Fearless can maybe carry this game a little bit harder. Um, and, and a lot of these comps are not finding the full value. They are just struggling to find engages still. Chasing down these players is not easy. Um, and eventually, you start seeing Dallas, I think, just roll the dice. They're now doing Sparkles, mm-hmm. Soldier. They're doing the legs now. Uh, then um, that was the first match. And then towards the end, you have the Doha Genji. And that's kind of dallas's last look before they lost or before they started to really lose to the Chengdu, and then the next time they met up in that lower bracket for whatever reason dallas as a team perhaps from the coaching staff landed on genji as their answer to Chengdu, and this is where sparkle then became the genji guy and the, he played genji but with no good genji spot i believe they played lucio yes. moira genji and to me no, uh i think maybe for point a no, they, I, th- I think they played that a lot. I remember specifically because I was in the, I was with McGravy and we were both molding out of our minds out of how much Genji Lucio Moira there was. And we were both like, there's zero support for this Genji. I don't know how Spark was going to do anything here. Um, lo and behold, he did very little. And even then, Jafilda started playing Anna. So they did swap off that. And Spark yeah. was probably like, yeah, this, this Lucio Moira is not working for me if I'm playing Genji. Mm. And he's right. And then Fielder goes Anna. And then they start putting in the, the the nanos in there. And I think in the nano blaze, he started to get a couple more kills, but he was still shut down big time. Yveltal, again, yeah. played out of his damn mind. And then obviously Fuel into the last map of that lower bracket with the, the Bustio, uh, which is always a painful way yeah. to end things. Um, so Dallas, ultimately, I think the, the Genji was not the correct answer because Genji, I find, has really hard value. Like, who do, who do you blade versus Ball, Sombra, Tracer, Diva, Zen, Brig? Zen is always going to be, you know, bodyguarded by Brig. So if you go into Zen, you go into Brig. Uh, everyone else is too mobile. So how do you do anything as a Genji? I, I did not think, to me, I did, that was not a good counter. That was not a good read from Dallas. I think it's an interesting tool in an arsenal. Not the only thing you can do. And that was my big criticism from Dallas in general. Um, I, I didn't hate the soldier look for King's Row defense. Um, it seemed to deal with Jinmu at least a little bit, but then they s- still played it way too long throughout most of their B defense in their first matchup. 
uh, and that cost them a lot of time, a lot of alt charge being thrown away, a lot of lost fights because you have a pick that is less valuable, let's say. Um, I think the same thing with Genji. I agree that the Genji Lucio Moira on controls a bit confusing. I don't know how Lucio gets any healing. He only has so many resources to use. He doesn't have a ton of defensive cooldowns. Doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, he also doesn't get healing in the normal. Just, just very quickly, he, in June Joust, Lucio all that you could make the same argument in June Joust, but I don't think that was Lucio's primary role anyway. Just to add that in there. Um, sure. Lucio... Uh, I'm sorry. Not if I said Lucio, I meant Genji. That's. Oh yeah, yeah, Genji. Genji, yeah, Genji. Genji doesn't get a lot of healing. He's kind of dashing around. He's trying to play in the mix, but also can't be in there for too terribly long because he's not going to get a ton of healing. It's very like. I would have preferred them to, to play the Reaper, if anything, on control specifically with that support lineup, but I digress. Um, looking at King's Row specifically, at least on point A, I thought that that was an interesting look. Again, an arsenal and a toolbox, not the entire tool shed. I don't think, and again, this is, is dancing around a further discussion about how much did NA teams have to prepare. I don't think this is the only look that you can kind of show a team that is ahead of the meta. I don't think running Genji for as long as they did, running Soldier for as long as they did in the first matchup, uh, was was the correct course of action. I, I think it was, uh, if I'm going to be completely honest, a little bit desperate. They were looking for something, a different look, just to try to throw them off. I didn't hate it until up, till I did hate it, if that makes sense. So like, point A makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of verticality to abuse. There's so when they a started lot of losing, you started hating it. <laughs> Pretty much, because they they just kept using it, right? It, and they kept using it in places that it didn't oh, you'd be necessarily so make it. sense. I know, it's. Uh, I'm sure it'll be great. I'm on sorry, it. they're losing. Oh, I hate it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, green light, red light. But that's the thing. Like, they're live testing what the solutions are. Yeah. And if you're on that yeah. point of your strategy, strategy, like you didn't have any time in scrims to figure that out, Good luck, dude. Like you better have like a great cold read. And mm -hmm. to to be fair, I think it also comes down to like the opponent being able to work against that, and like having seen that before and whatnot. Like at this point, you're maybe not even playing your strategy. You're playing your players, and that they hope yeah. that you hope they make um, like an individual difference, right? Um, Isn't that mostly Dallas Field though? The whole year has been them kind of like <laughs> I have a limited set, skill set here. Box here. I'm just gonna have to play my cards the way I have to play them from Rush's POV. There's no hit scan. Fearless is fantastic at Winston. We're gonna make sure. this work. Yes, go and they've been like, yeah, but uh, Chengdu is not different, right? Like, we don't have a hit scan uh, or like, like a Hell, second yeah. hit scan. We don't have, um, like someone that can play Winston if you want. <laughs> like, theoretically speaking, it's oh, probably not fair. Do. Yeah, they definitely we played a, a really good Winston. Then. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to be honest? Use okay. the Lucio example then, you used earlier. Use that one. There you go. Yeah, or the Lucio or the uh, the off tank sure. example. Um, yes. But rest assured, these both of these teams are sort of like limited in the uh, in the cards they have in their deck, and you they mm -hmm. just gotta hope that the players on those uh, positions just like pull something out and yeah. do more than is expected on paper from their compositions to deliver. And that's, every time you see Sparkle on Genji or Doom, that's that, what that means. There's no real set over or overt strategical reason why they are on there. Pick, right? It's more like yeah. Sparkle good, click head well, please better than opponent. 
Like, <laughs> yeah, huh? I just I see a bit of that. Right, and I mean, and it's talk- not like it's it's easy for Dallas to really show anything else. It's like, what else do you want Sparkle to play on, like Kings Row B? Um, Doom. It's not great for Doom. It's okay if you have control, but and then you have Temple, and it's like okay. Well, yeah, they're, they're putting it in weird positions. So yeah, go ahead. you talked to who did you talk to recently? I feel was it Yong or, or yeah. Rush again? Yong. Talk to Yong. Did, uh, did you? Was it during the tournament? Yes. Um. Okay. So was there anything there you you got in terms of what Dallas's plan or mentality was versus you know how to how to beat? Well, let's just say Chengdu because they never got to play Shanghai. So, I mean. Okay. What was their plan? What are they trying to do? So my my interview was after the first match, and they honestly f- it felt to me. And once again, watch it like these happen late at night, and I rarely rewatch them. So maybe I'm recollecting wrong, but it felt like they were actually pre- like at that point they didn't have an answer. Like they tried to find solutions within the match, none of them worked, and I don't think directly after the match they went like, oh yeah, we. Now we know what works in the next match, right? They were honestly pretty clueless and like also didn't have the time to sort of catch up uh, to, to that uh, solution. And yeah, I mean, um, it's, it, it's, it's not a great situation for them to still... It's, it's also super weird that, for instance, a player like Dreamer that was signed later to the Houston Outlaws, another Texan team, Gets his visa before Pine does. That's a weird one. Because is that because Dreamer's been on LA? Oh, but then Pine's been on New York Excelsior. That was a long time yeah. ago. Yeah. So maybe that Dreamer was on LA Valiant pretty recently. That helps. Uh, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's the difference. Yeah, that that the most recent visa uh, application is more current than the one for Pine. That that's right about the only explanation I have for that. Um. But yeah, that's like, it's, it's not a... I, I think they were pretty frustrated with uh, the circumstances. I mean, Rush was pretty vocal about the issues in regards to preparation time and whatnot already before the yeah. tournament, which is, a, mm. which is, by the way, a gar- gargantuan difference. And everyone, like, I get that you don't want to discredit Chengdu's um, win, and you shouldn't, but if a coach tells you in advance, he's not crying after the fact, oh, we could have won yeah, if yeah. X, Y, Z. He says before the tournament, this is suboptimal. And w- while like at the same time, the format. The, the format and the travel, then there's also like Atlanta who had it even worse because of a flight delay. And you, we can talk about like Dallas being a little bit better about it because they paid extra for the flights and had like, I think higher, higher tiered flights, so to speak, um, at a different time. But I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, it's, it's a definitive disadvantage. And if you're already behind in the meta, it most definitely doesn't help. But once again, as you pointed out, I don't think it would have mattered much. Um, to me, this is almost l- a little bit scary for Dallas in regards to season playoffs. Because we can assume no big balance changes will come in um, during Countdown Cup that will significantly alter the state of the meta. So You don't think so? Actually... It might get worse. If Winston gets banned, I have I don't feel good about fuel. So, sorry, I'm specifically talking about like actually season playoffs when there are no hero bats yeah, yeah. in place. Right? Oh, sorry. Right. Yeah, right, right, right. But every season we get a playoff patch. 
Every yeah. season we've had a meta change that has been kind of goofy and kind of, not antithesis because that kind of references a style, but it is different from yes, what most teams But it hits playing. in stage four of the season. It hasn't hit yet. Like Agreed. season two, we have three stages of goats, then we switch yes, to. And then we. Right? Same with yeah, like yeah, yeah. pretty instrumental uh, in stage four last time in season three. Mm -hmm. Where's the playoff? It won't hit this time. Yeah. I won't hit this time though, because we we're gonna we're about to get into stage four, uh, very soon yep. around the corner. Yep. Uh, the patch we'll be playing on will be the whatever the live patch now. I'm pretty sure is, and yep. then we're gonna have the hero bands, and then whatever the playoffs patch is gonna be, we can preview that because I'm sure Blizzard will put that onto live in advance. But we're not gonna be playing that until playoffs. Bro, like honestly, at this point, if I'm Dallas, I don't know if I care about the outcome of outcome uh, of Canton Cup, and I just start practicing something that has a chance to win. Uh, season playoffs. I yeah, like. I don't care that you. Well, they got enough points, right? They have enough points. Yeah. They are already qualified. I think they are all. Are they locked in for first place yet? Um. Well, and yes, as as pointed out, like um by so Eric. No other well. team can catch up. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent first in an A. So that's already pretty secure. Good point, though. Maybe the hits can't nerfs uh, have something to do with that. And will make a difference, though you would have to. I mean, look at look at the comps that were run. Doesn't seem like a much of a difference uh, would be made to the meta. Maybe there's adverse effects. I'm not thinking about in the complexity of meta compositions, but still, like maybe I just run ball comps, for instance, as if I'm fuel. Have fearless like sure. take like four or five weeks. That probably wait. Mid-September, so we have almost two months to prepare for um, knockout stages at this point. Maybe I just run that strategy in order to be up to snuff. Uh, like, move some uh, hero uh, like pools around for the players. So maybe mm. I, I look what, what, what makes sense for us to re uh, reallocate between Sparkle and Doha and just try to to a degree, reinvent, so I have a chance, because, once again, like, if this patch isn't massive, or if any, no, no other massive patch comes in after Countdown Cup, you're playing pretty much the same Overwatch that you're currently playing. It's unlikely that we will have missed something, like, astronomical in this meta. Right. I don't think mm -hmm. they can step it up on rush comps that would change that, uh, that, the way how these comps interact and how they count each other. I don't see another op option for the Dallas Fuel unless they literally get pine in and something like completely like monumental happens for them where it's like, yeah. oh yeah, he it, just has 60% headshot know. rate on Ash and that's why it works. Pine not coming by September? <laughs> Who knows? I, yeah, I would imagine so, so but, but speculatively, yeah. you'd have to imagine that it can't tank. I mean, if Pine can't come in by September... He literally is just not going to play a single game this year, is he? No. It's also, like, honestly, like, it's also quite interesting to see now that, theoretically, the advantage is now for NA teams, right? Like, it's bad for Dallas because the finals being in NA means, like, it's probably harder for Pine to get there. Like, if it had been in yeah. China, like, he could have maybe played remote or, like, whatever it is, right? Or the team would have mm. relocated earlier and could have scrimped with him, whatever it is, right? But right. it also means that Asian teams have to come over. And yeah. Asian teams have to come over during a time where 
honestly, probably not that many teams will scrim anymore. Like, especially outside, right? You do not have the support of your contenders teams. You do not have the support of the teams adjacent to you. You will have contenders. I'm sure contenders doesn't end in September. No, no. Yeah, but no, no, no. North American contenders yeah. teams. Yeah, that's what that's I'm talking about. Yeah, but yeah. are they inclined to help Asian teams practice necessarily? Or as much? No, they're not helping Asian teams. They're helping themselves. Contenders yeah. teams are doing their own practice for their own benefit. They're not... They're not doing it because, like, oh, we want to help this team. Sure. The I'm sure there are tournament. some that probably unless would have no, some sort Unless of there is no contenders, uh, unless contenders NA does not happen in September. I, for, I'm not, I don't actually know if it will or not because I don't know what the contenders NA schedule is. Contenders NA and right. EU run a different type of format compared to other contenders. But what I'm saying is when you're in a no hero pool meta, contenders teams will scrim Overwatch League teams and everyone will scrim each other. Um, and... Uh, if nothing else, at minimum, the three APAC teams can just hard scrim each other at a very minimum, yeah. which you'll say is maybe not the best thing because you want to get some practice versus the NA teams, and I yeah. agree, but I don't think they get no scrims. No, no, it's not about no, but it's definitely about less lesser quality. You cannot ask your uh, your academy team to just like run this one comp into the ground in That's order true. to practice something. Um, like... Theoretically, the the uh, the connections you have as um, NA teams give you an advantage within North America. I will say the setups. It's better and worse because consider this: if the three best APAC teams go and they hard scrim each other, I would also almost say technically your scrims improve because now you're not scrimming the Maybe. other, you know, less uh, less scrums, APAC yeah. teams. You're scrimming only the good teams. Yeah. So in a way, it does actually help you. Um, I don't know. But what happens if, if like one of them drops out early? For instance, suddenly you're down to two, and you, maybe you meet each other <laughs> early in the bracket and whatnot. Like that—that that is that is a problem. It's also a problem of venue most this of the time. Every playoffs, though, this yeah. is every playoffs for like four years in a row. Yes. I, I don't know why this is any different. Uh, because one is in Texas, so they like Dallas doesn't need to switch uh, their practice facility. No, I mean, scrim, I mean the scrim discussion. Like, right. yeah, the deep you go, the less scrim partners you have. That's been the way every yes. season. Yeah. It's not a new thing. Yeah. 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 So I don't know why I, it's relevant. I think there's a thread regarding. I mean, it always is relevant. Diversity. Uh, I mean, I don't it think it's irrelevant, but it's it's irrelevant because it doesn't change anything for this year. It's relevant to the discussion. Like, yes, there will be less scrims by the end but of it. My point also, is, it's been like. So what's the point in talking about that? Yeah, my point is. We are acknowledging that it is a disadvantage to the North American region to have to travel to Hawaii and set up scrims from there, live in a different time zone, like not have your perfect setups. Well, this time around, we have the Overwatch League finals in NA. Coincidentally, the knockout stages are in Texas, pretty close to yep. even Houston. So that's mm -hmm. an advantage in a region that you can have advantages in. Of course, I mean, it's, it's NA's problem that they don't have contenders or academy teams that can give them that advantage. That's their choice. Agreed. And then, like, LA is also not, like, like astronomically far away for you to uh, travel to as a Texan team, for instance. So, while it shouldn't have a gigantic uh, difference, like, it's it's a difference that it's apparently we recognize in for the NA teams in Hawaii. Yes, it will probably be, like, I, I can see, for instance, Asian teams relocating way earlier, like, weeks earlier before uh, after the season uh, concludes, Countdown Club. When, well, when's the last? Like they know they're in. If you if if you're any other team that don't know you, if you don't know you're in. You're kind of you can't quite do that. But Shanghai can just go whenever, really. 
Yeah. What when is the, uh maybe Eric can look that up like once the last once the Countdown Cup match is scheduled and when does the um the season playoffs start because it doesn't feel like long. It's probably like well, two weeks. 15th of August. Hang on, no, I'm wrong. 22nd of yes. August, 4th of September. I, that's right. 22nd of August is the grand final of Countdown Cup. 4th of September is the first match of playoffs. And then that's the window. But we are only in Arlington come 15th which is then the playoffs before that that's the play-ins right so yeah fourth is the fourth september's play-ins correct right but if you're if you're china if you're not china if you're apac third seed you're going through the play-ins yeah but apac one and two will go can just go straight to texas even then you'd you only have like two weeks to relocate as, as a top two seed in asia right that's not that long like you, you can be in America two weeks earlier. Yeah, I, I doubt they will do that. By the way, but you could be, and then for the third th seat from APAC, you're only coming in like one and a half or one week yeah. earlier. Oh, this is so whack. I this is like a really sketch topic to bring up, <laughs> but it it would almost be if you want to maximize travel min maxing if you're Shanghai, knowing that you're already in. Strategic play may legitimately be. To skip skip the countdown cup yes. tournament entirely and go straight to Texas. Yep. Because yep. you're already in anyway. Yep. That Eric, is a legitimate tactical solution. Eric, do they have a match in the last week of Countdown Cup? It doesn't matter. No, it matters because then you throw yes. three games, travel two weeks earlier, never participate in Countdown Cup, and could have a full month in Texas. You know? um, yeah, just <laughs> because you're locked in first. Shanghai have the yeah. final game right. of Doesn't Shanghai matter. Cup. Oh, okay, that's they unlucky. have Shanghai versus Mongolia as their last game. Okay, that's yeah, unlucky. Just play on in the ping. second week. Play on ping. None of it matters. Yeah, just you're throwing anyways. Why not? I play mean, on ping. You, you're, 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 I'm here, so I don't get fined. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, I am. Oh, I am going. I'm playing for the championship. If that's all that matters. You go to Texas now. And you just play versus Guangzhou yeah. and the rest of the impact teams on ping. And okay. then you're just you're soft you're throwing. Off throwing, but no one can do anything against you because you're still showing up to the matches and doing your best. Bro, you speak you obviously. Like, uh, that's playing so, like Overwatch speed chess. Like, <laughs> it's, it's it's soft throwing in the matter where like no one can accuse you of throwing because you're taking. Oh, the microphone's cut off for some reason. Hello. Really want to prioritize. Playoffs and just say fuck countdown cup, you know that'd be hard. I, I think the league front office might have some words there, but yeah, I don't I, think if, they would. If allow I'm at that. a team level, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Is like I don't think for a competitive integrity's sake they they'd allow that. Um, you'd be probably get punished quite heavily. Um, but at a team level, that has to be a consideration, right? Like I don't gain anything from playing in this. I'm already locked in. It's it's because it's a fun thought experiment. Sure, I would imagine that teams and competitive integrity is at the forefront. And just by the way, I'm not advocating for teams to throw or no, no, for them to not try. Obviously, I'm not doing that. So you know, get your fingers off your keys real quick. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thought experiment because the way format should work is that teams should always be incentivized to try their best every single match, every single tournament. If there's ever an incentive to not do that, that's a problem. Yeah. Which is why 
this whole thing, and I don't want to skip ahead too many topics. We'll get to the playoffs discussion in a second. There's been the whole playoffs thing where you can actually choose your opponents, and that that incentivizes higher seeds because yes. otherwise you could tactically slot yourself into a different seed to get a better matchup, right? Mm. And that that, that there then becomes an incentive to throw. Yeah. I'm not saying teams should, but if you wanted to tactically do something. I mean, the, the options there now. Whereas with choosing opponents, it's not. Um, let's get into Atlanta real quick, and then we're going to get into because I know Jessica already started some discussion on the travel kind of stuff. Um, damn you, Jessica! Now, now it's going to now it's going to mess up, you know, the, the specific topics a little bit. We're going to have to backtrack back. Uh, I, I want to get Atlanta out of the way first because then we can go from Atlanta into the travel discussions because a lot of that was through the Atlanta POV. Um, did anyone? have any major expectations of, of Atlanta coming to this tournament because I think no. I think to me I would have had I say I would have had them as my number four, but if the bracket went the way I thought it was gonna go, where Chengdu dropped to the lower bracket and faced Atlanta, Chengdu would have been my number four. So it's quite wild in that sort of case. So in a way, yes I did have Atlanta as my number four, but in another way, no I didn't. I had them as mm -hmm. my number three. I think the big narrative, let's say um is still kind of surrounding kai i i understand the thought process of why and how uh each of these dps were run um but i do wonder i i do genuinely wonder what atlanta looks like against chengdu with you know in hindsight now that we have both of their games played no they didn't really look all that competitive um I don't know that Kai really makes a difference, to be honest. I, I, I genuinely I don't tell know. tell you why I think Kai didn't get played. Shoot. It's because specifically they needed the Edison Tracer. Yeah. Tracer you you lose very, so much by playing Tracer Kai. Tracer plays yeah. very well into ball comps. And if you don't have the Edison Tracer... Now then you would say to me, well, why don't they just bench Pelican and have Edison Kai? Which then it'd be like, well... You're benching Pelican. Pelican. You're benching yeah. Pelican. Uh, yeah. You know, and that, that seems like a cardinal sin, so you can't yes. do that. So you're losing a lot. Yeah. It's not easy. That's not a an enviable position to be in. Uh being in that that coaching locker room deciding who's playing what. Um yes, you can kind of neutralize the fara, but then what is Kai playing? What what I'm interested in, Avril, is why you think that what what would uh Atlanta have played into Chengdu that you thought they were going to be pretty good against. I do. I I think the the factor of them having kind the lineup um, swayed me a little bit. I also think Atlanta Rain showed more looks in terms of compositional versatility um, than Dallas did. I think Dallas are the less uh, the less flexible team, proven by the fact that Dallas's response. Chu Chengdu was a Genji, which I don't think Atlanta would ever. Atlanta would not have thrown a Genji yeah, versus yeah. Chengdu. That would never have happened. Um, Atlanta, I think, have more capability to try and, you know, put the tracer on there. Uh, have a McCree try and shut down the shut down Jimu, even though we the end result is no, we didn't see Kai, and instead we got Edison on a bit of Ash. So Edison ended up taking a bit of that Kai hero pool into his own, and they tried mm -hmm. to make that work. Um, and don't I don't know, man. I I was I was kind of maybe sipping the juice of the fact that Atlanta had the capability to try and find counters more effectively than Dallas, and that's what that's what I was going on. Did you 
Did you think Chengdu would be playing more Farah than they ended up doing over this tournament? Um, I think Chengdu, they, I think the misconception of Chengdu is that they're gonna, they're gonna play more Farah than you think. I think people always think they're gonna be playing more Farah than, uh, what, what, what should I say here? Basically, people people assume Chengdu are gonna play more Farah. When I think. Chengdu are very are more specific about when they actually bring through the fire. Even though last episode I literally said they make it a priority, they make it a priority when they find the right matchup for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they force as far as, as much as people think they do, and and that becomes a bit of a misconception of the team. Uh, I think Jimmu plays a lot more somber than Fire. Actually, if you look at his play rates and his play time, so yeah. I don't think Fire was as much of a discussion. I think it is. I think if if Fire it becomes relevant, let's say Atlanta really does want to play a lot more uh, brawl then Farah becomes a lot more relevant, in which case I think Kai is, you know, he, he's a much better option, or he's at least an option that Atlanta can take. Um, I think Atlanta coming through the knockout brackets, I, I was a lot more confident looking at what Atlanta was bringing to the table through the NA knockouts than I think Dallas was perhaps slightly shakier, especially in their, in their versatility. So there was just more backing of Atlanta from my POV. Yep, same. Very similar thought process. I thought uh, Chengdu was going to be playing a lot more Farah. I thought that NA teams were actually going to be playing a little bit more of the, the Brawl look, which obviously enables that. Um, and we saw Atlanta. We saw Dallas Atlanta in the lower bracket kind of run that experiment with Sparkle on Farah, looking at uh, the last control map and, and how successful that still was. Granted, it's Edison. Um, but I don't think like we've we've kind of danced around that you know you can sacrifice so much. I, I don't think any of these maps give you the matchups to say yes. I want Kai playing Ash or McCree one hundred percent of the time, and that's all we can play. I, so I I'm gonna, that's, yeah. I'm gonna add one more thing here as well, and I will be very honest and admit that I did not think Chengdu were gonna come to this tournament as good as they did, despite me saying it could be a. <laughs> It could be an APEC 1-2 finish, and despite me really wanting to pred Chengdu over Dallas, that was more so because I think Dallas's specific read on the meta, their ability to adapt to the meta, was kind of weak coming into this, whereas I think Atlanta's ability was much stronger. So I had maybe Chengdu as a bit weaker than they actually came in with, um, and I've had Atlanta a bit stronger than I thought they were gonna, than they actually came in with, which is why I had the Atlanta over Chengdu, if that matchup actually ended up happening, which it didn't. Can I pose this to the two of you? Um, and this is still something that I, I feel kind of strongly about, but I'm not entirely too sure. Um, if, let's say, both of the NA play-in matches go slightly differently so that Justice beats the Dallas Fuel and goes to Hawaii and the Gladiators beat the Atlanta Rain and go to Hawaii in their stead, um, do you think that those teams had a particular meta read that would have made these matches more competitive but not necessarily changing the outcome? I'll start by saying that I think those two teams would have more capability of attempting to maybe play a mirror, but I think their mirror would have been worse. I think sure. they'd be far less practice on it. Their verticals on on how good they would be on them would be kind of worse as well. Um, yeah, I I don't I don't think they would have. I think they would have been more flexible in terms of what they can play into it. But you ultimately, if any NA team tried to mirror Shanghai sure. Chengdu, totally. they'd just be playing like the like a worse version. A worse version. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Yeah. But it would have maybe been closer, yeah. I think that, yeah. I believe that. More competitive. Yeah. Maps tighter. Yeah. More points scored. Yeah. 
I don't know because the the, the APEC teams are so good in that mirror. Oh, that's great. I don't know. Still that think they been... win? I I think the APEC teams still win, but I don't know that it would be... you guys are saying there would have been more maps or been closer. I don't know that it would have. I think I think the APEC teams are so much more comfortable in that mirror matchup than in the non mirror matchup because they're more practiced in the mirror matchup. Think about it. No, I I I one hundred percent see where you're coming from. I think the uh, dives a particularly. I think I uh, I think dive. I think death ball as well. I think the mirror matchup gets particularly scrappy, um, especially mid fight for a lot of engagements. And I think that floor is high enough much like it was in June Joust for, for Dallas, like in the response to Dallas was to just mirror them because it's better than trying to come up with something on the fly. You, you kind of double down into the coin flip. That's the only way that you're going to be able to do it. Nothing that either Atlanta or Dallas showed me was enough. And I think in a fun thought experimenty way that if you had te two teams that had a slightly more progressive meta read being justice and glads um i think you would have seen less entertaining matches uh less stylistic matchups but maybe more competitive um because they're so inherent not inherently similar but closer in terms of style and i think you get some some brawl some chaos some some maps that may have gone slightly differently it it also really depends on what kind of versions of these teams show up like if dk totally. like prime dk shows up maybe you know um i'm not sure what the what the x yeah, factor is for gladiators to be honest dude um, even decay would be prime decay would be up against prime leave and prime flitter yeah. who were on a different level on tracer i don't know that prime decay would be good enough <sighs> i think he's at least equal in, in, in I'll give you that. I'll care. give you that. But yeah. if only one position you have goes equal, yeah, yeah. and you get diffed on all the other five, I'm not liking the odds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not saying they would have won. I, I think we all can all agree yeah. that Eagle as Justice here wouldn't have won. The thing is, you're not getting diffed uh, as Justice, right? Like on all the other positions. Like Fury's not getting diffed by late young. Like, okay, sure, <laughs> sure. Okay, I won't. I, all right, I won't be hyperbolic. I apologize. <laughs> I'm just saving you from the comments and having to dunk on some kids for the next episode. That's know? my favorite activity, man. I enjoy <laughs> dunking. You guys seen that, um, just off topic, you guys, I don't know, this was a while ago, it was on, it was on Twitter, I'm sure it's somewhere, of uh, there's just like this adult in like one of those kid playground things which is like all foam everywhere, and he gets mm. this like foam stick, this big thick motherfucker, this foam stick, and he is just whacking kids and sending them flying and obviously the kids are fine because they're just spacking themselves yeah. into like foam walls but something about that really really got <laughs> me i was like dude i do enjoy that i that do sounds funny. enjoy this um uh, i should have saved that video that would have been a great video to say yeah um so we any any particular thoughts about atlanta versus dallas because we, we talk plenty about the na teams versus the apex teams and that's an interesting discussion but did uh -huh. anyone did we all assume that Dallas was just going to beat Atlanta? Because it ended up being mega close. That yes. was a five. That was actually one of the best matches in the entire thing because it came down to five maps. And oh. you know what ended up turning it is yeah. Dallas. Dallas decided they were going to be um, 
in Atlanta's words, at least a little bit, uh, maybe dishonest or a bit cringe with the fire, because Atlanta, there was a there was a little thing in the pre-match lobby that I don't think aired live, but I saw because you know through the Overwatch League stuff, and not that I wasn't in the server or anything, but I know someone put into a chat, and it basically is like Gators just says, um, "No fire?" Question mark. Cringe hero to Dallas Fuel. <laughs> um, and oh yeah, and Gator had that Ajax comment versus Jax result, which is really <laughs> really funny. But I don't even know if Dallas even understand what that is. Or we, or that'll be a question for you next time when we talk to them. Um, yeah. But Dallas, to me, the difference maker, the end that really broke the tie between the two teams was the fact that Dallas, like, you know what? Maybe we can just copy APAC here. Fearless goes ball, Doha mm. goes Sombra, and Sparkle goes far. And Sparkle's far is like low key really good, and people forget that he plays far. People forget about Sparkle's far. He's got one in the pocket. And that to me ended up making the difference. Atlanta lost to the cringe hero. Yeah, that's that's spun the tide. Then they go to village and Dallas. I mean, it ends in a heartbreaker where Dallas takes the aggressive playoff point. Atlanta can't touch. They lose. Like it's you can, come just short. Can't just touch? short. Huh? What'd you say? Can't touch. Or didn't touch. Yeah, I don't think they. They. I don't think they could touch. Well, Let me review it real fast. I don't believe may, they can. Maybe I'm misremembering, but yeah, you could, could be right. No, they were all shattered. The, I didn't look in the yeah. replay view, but I'm pretty sure the only person that was nearly there got shattered. I, yeah, I, I, I the two teams were really close. I think Atlanta were almost nearly the number one in eighteen coming to this tournament. Oh yeah, I agree. And what ended up like the I almost even half believe that if Dallas and Atlanta played mirrors the entire way through both teams shook hands and no one played any APAC style, there's a chance Atlanta come out on top and they get that point that they really wanted. Um, but the, but da- it's just so funny and ironic to me that one of the tools Dallas used to beat Atlanta was to like put some APAC flair in there and do some APAC comps and then that ended up being a difference maker. Yeah. Um, that I did enjoy that. Yep. I mean, technically, nothing Pretty stops good. you from t- taking the same tool set, right? Like, that's uh, yeah. if if we're we're criticizing uh, Dallas very often for not being flexible enough, but here they made it work, right? Which speaks to the quality of the mm-hmm. team. And I mean, if you're Atlanta, you can't do that. Tough luck, dude. Like, that's just like yeah. the lay of the land now. Like, you gotta go with the times. That's you. I guess you can like build shrines in like the team force uh, favor and try to make rush a thing for playoffs. But short yeah. of that, you're, you're probably going to have to figure something out for playoffs. Mm-hmm. So hard. Even like, if you want to be a hard rush team, you are mostly like 90% of the time prepping for other NA teams and mirrors. And then you'll, then beyond that, you have to also think about like, well, what, what APAC do they're probably not going to mirror us. And you have to find a way to practice for that, which is so how we get back to the whole practice discussion. But I think the way we landed on was like, I, to me, I wouldn't have been surprised if Atlanta beat Dallas here. But yeah. uh, if I were to pred this with zero insight, and I'm not just saying this because I know the result with zero, with zero like knowledge of what was actually going to happen and what teams were going to run, I think for some reason, again, just my inability to pred against Dallas in this particular, in this area, I, I think I would have still gone Dallas because uh, I think in the mirror, Dallas are very strong, especially with some TP comps. Mm. Like they were the first team in NA, to, I think, to really, really go in that direction. Uh, and they've been so strong, the Lucio Moyer as well, which they could still do against Atlanta. So 
I would have still potentially have had Dallas over Atlanta, but I, I think Atlanta played mega well here. I'm impressed. Yeah, 100%. I, I don't think as much as, you know, it stings to show up and just lose with no consolation and waste your time in theory. Um, yeah, nothing to be nothing to be ashamed about there. I think that this this is difficult to swing positively, but it, it should be looked at in, in a positive light. You got here. You competed against some of the best. You competed against one of the best in your region, if not the best team in your region, um, and took them to potentially last fight, um, at least last two fights, if you want to get like real technical. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's 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 impressive. That's really strong. And that shouldn't be just forgotten or, or written off because, you know, oh, then, you know, you go to the next meta. Oh, like you guys can compete. This is a competitive team. And, and I think are there we, are still ways that Atlanta can get there. Are the we end. locked? Are we locked into the idea that maybe Atlanta is solidly the second best team in NA now? Does anyone agree with that statement or is that is that controversial? Uh, no, I disagree. You disagree? Yeah. Who well, else? Who's your top two? Well, that's a great question. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of <laughs> candidates to pick from. Um, I who's don't think one? number. Well, yeah, number one in NA is Dallas. Number one okay. candidate for the second position. It's if if meta is not a discussion. Um, and that's where I kind of hesitate with Atlanta. Uh, I don't like any of these teams. Um, but if I'm going to be completely honest, um, oh God. Uh, give me Houston, I guess. You are just spoiled for teams you don't want to go for. Yeah, go for it, it is an embarrassment of riches of just teams I really yeah. have a hard time predicting. An embarrassment yeah, I, of riches say of crap that you don't want, apparently. Pretty much. Pretty much. A lot of it's stuff I don't bad. need. And I don't know what to pick from the all things that are bad here. Um, okay, well, I, I, Houston have a shot. I think Houston have an outside shot. It's still recovering some stuff. I think they're flexible as a team. They, um, I, I don't know. I've, I've lost. I think Houston have been really good, but there's also been Houston's. They're just ah, oh, Houston haven't shown up enough to me. I'm, I've been. I know. I've been much more on the the Atlanta bandwagon, uh, especially recently. But I'm. If you want to ask me who who I think is is the third team that has maybe more of an outside shot. I'm still liking what I see on Glads a lot, based mm -hmm. on the team and They're their improving. verticals. I think Glads could have made this tournament for sure. I think Glads oh, could have easily sure. been the top two here. So I'm I'm going on some recency bias here. I'm not gonna lie, um, but really, yeah, I think that, that I feel like you what? guys have pointed out the obvious second team. If it's not Atlanta, how is it's got to be Glads? It's got to be Shock. What? No. No, you're capping. Dude, Shock I, is... The only reason Shock hasn't been in a tournament is because consistently they get clapped by uh, Dallas, right? Out of the, those tournaments. Correct. Let me double check. Me the double check. I mean, or they don't, don't make it. it like, or they don't is, make it. Right, yeah. Which is pretty... They're still 9-3, dude. 100%. And then hey, you have I, Houston that's 9-3 that don't look uh, uncoordinated uh, like, and disjointed. By the way, Yusuke, you're wrong. June Joust, they got clapped by Rain 3-0, and that's why they didn't make it. Ah, so they've been clapped true. by both Dallas true. and Atlanta. True. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I would so, also say Atlanta, but if it isn't Atlanta, then it's you want you like my, shock. Yeah, 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. But would that re- to... would that redeem the shock? For you? No, I'm joking. Um... <laughs> I need to see a lot more from Shock before they get pushed up. I think they're a candidate for that position, but I don't think they're a strong candidate. Okay. They. I... they... Yeah. Let Let's uh, go towards the. There's two more topics I, I want to get into before we finish off. Uh, with with a bit of limited amount of time, we've already half started the first one. So we'll just kind of recap slash cap it off, which is the whole travel discussion. Now, Yiska, you already spoke to this earlier when we were kind of talking about Atlanta Rain um, and a bit of Dallas as well, which is where, yes, the the, the travel was an inconvenience. It does affect things. Uh, Atlanta lost more time due to the fact that not only did they not fly direct, they had a connecting flight, but then also that connecting flight had certain delays, which grounded them for a certain period of extra time, which they lost another day on. So uh, they definitely came in in a much worse state and with less practice as well. Now, at the start of the show, I made the comment that I would have said that even if they got the full week of practice and didn't have to go to Hawaii, I don't think they would have won. I still stand by that because I think it's NA was just behind the meta here. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I don't acknowledge that it is a disadvantage and that the traveling is uh, an inconvenience. So th- this is where I'm, I'm going to say that it, 100%. I do think this is, gonna, this is rough for the NA teams. But my response to all of this is that a right now there's nothing that can actually be done about it. and the reason for that is because the asian teams can't go anywhere they can't travel anywhere they can't leave the, the, it's, it's like not really feasible for them to leave the country because they getting visas to go anywhere is, is a really tough thing without advance warning um the schedule just does not allow for it you'd have to have like an, a two to three week break between the knockouts ending and the tournament starting and that would kill all you know, momentum leading up to a tournament. And then you'd have to have another break after that before the next stage, right? So it's just, it's all quite messy. Um, so you can't do that. So if you want to have international competition, which I think everyone wants, I think at the end of the day, no one wants to not have international competition. This is what ends up having to happen. The NA teams have to travel because North America and United States as a country is big enough that you can go as far into the Pacific as possible to try and get the lowest ping possible to make it fair. So it's unfortunate, but I don't see a solution. This is just what it is. Yeah, and I think there were some points for, from Hawk's tweets that were that made a lot of sense. I also think like that that perception is like really tainted. But whatever value attribution uh, North American sports have, where it's like oh, it's all about the season playoffs. Like his point, like this Glad's match meant nothing. Him, of course, talking about like them beating Glad's in the knockout stages. Mm mean nothing no it means you beat the los angeles gladiators one of the best teams in, in the, your north american region that means something right and only because you're not being rewarded for it in terms of standings and yes i agree that also fans think in these th- things it's still mm-hmm. fundamentally wrong to not consider that to be of value right and at the same time though i also think that <sighs> There was some criticism towards like heart of the competitor and like it, it's better to stay at home like in terms of like criticizing them specifically for that. To that I say, no, it's the heart of the competitor because what this team could instead do is take the time that they are not traveling to Hawaii and sitting on 48-hour travel schedules to actually prepare for the season playoffs and or like playoffs that matter seemingly to everyone watching in North America more and therefore increasing their chances. Yes, Mm. they are playing for the chance to uh, gain points. I completely agree with that there. I just don't see it as a disagreement of the heart of a competitor to be salty about A, 
like having very little variance uh, sorry um very little opportunity to show that you're a better team we only have 16 matches like that's it's a problem and it's a problem it's a covid related problem for sure yeah. but it is a problem and that would have to be amended in in future uh seasons and yes it's also mm-hmm. a problem of like keeping the the viewers attention and oversaturation of matches we're already dropping viewers in the mid-season once again like that's a problem how do you figure that out in terms of competitive integrity it's very clear that you want more matches like we had too many matches probably and it was hurting players at 40 now we'd have too few matches and it's hurting players because they cannot like there's too much daily variance and there's huge variance in strength of schedule depending on if you play like vancouver Mm -hmm. twice this season or if you play dallas twice this season so Mm -hmm. that is all fair uh, points of criticism Mm-hmm. The thing that's is, that's where I kind of. So, oh, sorry, sorry. I didn't make yeah, it yeah. The, the thing is, once you get to why you have, you're playing for the opportunity to get these extra points in order to get ahead, get ahead there. And I get that you have a competitive disadvantage by traveling there, more so because your travel experience was atrocious. Like I, I heard, forty-eight hours uh, travel on a travel that usually takes like fifteen, right? So. Or is it 15? I'm not even sure. Maybe I'm, I'm uh, uh, talking out of order here. But at, at the end of the day, it's, it's really like um, an unfortunate position that is not regular, right? Like Dallas didn't have the same experience as you guys did. So I don't know. I think in, in, in general, there are some good points in there. There's also the context of, dude, he tweeted that after the match. Like, give right. the guy a break. Yeah, you're going to be upset. You're, you're going to be a little bit you know, annoyed after losing. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna feel pointless because you feel like you didn't get anything out of it. Yeah. Yes, because right, like the fact that you went means you got the chance to win more points. No one's gonna not go. I think this entire notion of like, oh yeah, just going was pointless. We should have just lost the guys. That's bullshit. If that's true, don't go. Don't go to Hawaii next stage. Just go stay home. Just throw the match and don't go. I, let me promise you, no team will do that. And every team will still try and go. Yeah. You know why? Because yeah, yeah. you get way more benefit out of going than not going. Yeah. 100%. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, it's... that's what you play for, right? It would probably also feel different if there was live audience and whatnot, and you have had the weight of the situation, you had a feeling for that. It's on all unfortunate cases of this system and, like, the, the state of the world that we're in, but mm. I, then again, like, give the guys a break, dude. Like, it's yep. pretty obvious in what context and mind frame he's saying these comments, right? Like, and I, I don't understand going super hard on him there. Like, it's just... Oh, Joe, yeah. your thoughts? You, you had final thoughts on this, maybe? I, I My biggest takeaway was of the format discussion. Um, like we said, there's not much that can be done um, with the, the, the state of the world. Um, you can't get visas on short notice. Therefore, you can't really have, you know, international teams really all having to bite the bullet of travel. Um, I think this is... We, we've kind of rubber banned from too many matches, like Iska said, to too few matches. And again, you can criticize the, you can't make everybody happy, but the other aisle of the argument does have a, a lot of merit, right? You, you do have too much variance on a day-to-day. You also have a format that's inherently variance-based um, with hero pools and whatnot. So it's, the format is not perfect, um, I don't think anybody ever claimed it to be perfect, and hopefully we iterate on it as we continue forward. Um, and yeah, I think that we're getting closer to a good midpoint, and hopefully Hero Pools can finally die. Thank you. That's my TED Talk. Only after Count No Cup, Joe. Only after Count No Cup. Sure. Um, 
uh, real quick as well, we'll just breeze over this one. Uh, obviously, a bit of discussion over the weekend about where MVPs are again. I did I did a bit of a push for leave. Um, you know, he he said he would split his tournament winnings with me, which is why I'm doing this. I'm joking. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, um, I, I the reason why I push this is because, and just by the way, it's not. I'm not. I don't think fearless and lip shouldn't be like for some reason. Like it's not just because I'm saying leave it's like i'm discounting lip and fearless like i was also the one that pushed lip by the way so i pushed a few people by now i didn't push fearless because other people did enough of that yeah you don't mm. you don't need you don't need a fucking yeah. you know a, 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 another 50th voice pushing fearless from people that are slightly relevant or whatever nope. uh the point is yeah is that i've seen enough from leave that i'm convinced that he should be well and truly among the discussion if not potentially a front runner yep. and it depends on your metric is and a lot of people in this discussion about mvp have different metrics about what they think constitutes as an mvp there's the literal word of the law of what mvp is which is the most valuable player there and people use the, the metric of like oh who could you remove from a player that would make the biggest difference and that's their like metric and then there's other people who are just like incorrectly who's just like oh who's the most popular player and then there's other people who's like well who's the best player uh, and I'm sort of in the camp where like I lean towards who the best player is. And I think the best player individually right now, as far as depth and mechanic skill, skill vertical involved and everything to me is just widely leave. And for a while it was lip, but lip is on specifically his specialized role, fearless on his specialized role and leave is just a, a player I've never seen before. Yeah. And people will say like, Oh yeah, well flat is a hyperflex or profits hyperflex. Like, no, bro, they have not no, played like anywhere that. near the hero pool of leave. And they do not have anywhere near the vertical that Leave has across all those heroes. Um, I've seen Profit and Flynn apply, try and play a few heroes this season, and they were not up to scratch. Whereas everything Leave has played has been, you know, at, if not top tier, to like pretty fucking good. Yeah. Um, mm. I think the only thing he played recently, which I wasn't mega impressed with, was maybe Genji, but the Genji's not been very relevant. Sure. Uh, and maybe one other pick where I'm like, this is probably not the best hero for Leave. But even a hero that I thought wasn't great for leave, like Tracer, he ended up coming in yeah. mega strong. So he yeah. he fucking corrected me on that real quick. I was yeah. like, I don't think Lee, I don't think Tracer's one of Lee's best heroes. And then he comes out of my bam, maybe it is one of his best heroes now. Yeah. That's just that, me. That's the thing. Like, that's ultimately always the check almost for flex DPS players. It's like the the check you gotta uh, solve or is basically do you have are you flexible on all other picks and do you have a great tracer there weren't that many people in, in overwatch league that could ever say yes to that like profit was one of them maybe like flatter was mm -hmm. one of them lip also to degree has it there's not many others you either have a great tracer or you you have a good genji farah doomfist whatever right like huxal never had a tracer let's stuff like that right so that was sort of like the check for you to see if someone really is a hyperflex. And with leave, not just adding... Like, if you look at Sparkle, that's what you usually expect from a hyperflex, that level of tracer. Bro, leave is the best tracer in the Overwatch League right now and is a hyperflex on everything else. That, yeah. it's, it's like... That, I don't think we've seen anything like this before. And that's why... I've like, never seen a player this flexible, ever. Dude, the amount of times, by the way, like just like a quote that's stuck in my mind from Luke in that interview is just like, so I ask like, what is it like playing with Leave? And Luke just goes, I think he's uh, he, he's a genius. <laughs> like, 
it's it's also in the intangibles that he brings and how he thinks about Overwatch. Like, if you think this guy just sits there quietly and is a quiet term Terminator and has nothing else to contribute, that's also wrong. He's also, like, nuts behind the game. Terminator's calculating. They got that red vision calculating all the time. <laughs> yeah. Be because we know from, from, from certain players like Decay, they won't have too much to say in comps, right? Um, but, like, mm -hmm. that app apparently isn't the case. Like, it's not like Leaf goes home and, like, his job is done and he grinds AimLab for 10 hours. He actually has contribu <laughs> contributions towards that team, right? So, I mean, mm -hmm. at that age, come on, dude. Like, I, I had a hard time coming around. It's undeniable at this point that this, this guy's, like, for me also at the moment, MVP frontrunner. And it can't be fearless for me because, once again, like, you have to demonstrate the full breadth of your champion pool. And if you get gapped yep. but in ball every other tournament, and that pretty much turns out the re one of the reasons why your team can't compete for the title, unfortunately, you can't be MVP on my ballot. But he's the protagonist. But, but Overwatch is an anime, Yusuke. The protagonist can't lose. He can be on the ballot, but he sure as hell can lose. Um, <laughs> I think... The protagonist has to win at the end of the day. That's how an anime works. Uh, you have him come back in the next tournament arc. It's okay. Growth. That's how we get growth in our characters, right? Right, anime viewers? Yeah. Um, I like Leaf. I like Leaf a lot. Um, I think he's very good. Um, I, right need, I need to see a, a bit more of that same level of flair so that you can't chalk this up to variance. I think we're on a little bit of recency bias who, because who he else? has had a... Uh, no, we're not. I don't believe we are. Who, who, who else? I've been casting the guy. Who else? No, no, no. Yeah. I, I know you have been very high on him for a long time. I, 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 can't, I can't claim that. But I think there is a big world, very possible world, where we come into Countdown Cup Chengdu have a pretty underwhelming performance, mm -hmm. thus driving his stocks down. He doesn't perform. He has one fantastic tournament. You cannot take that away from him. He has had a fantastic yeah, echo all but, season. That yes. would be the that would be the definition of a recency bias. If he has one tournament, suddenly everyone's like, no, not anymore. That is literally recency bias. <gasps> but okay, that's that's also fine. If if you have a player that consistently performed throughout mm -hmm. the entire season to a high to a similar level that Leaf is right now. And I think legitimate fearless is out for me in, in terms sure. of comparison. That's fair. I think if you told me lip, then I wouldn't hate that. I think that's a Don't fair shout. I, I think if you told me void, I wouldn't hate that even though it's quiet and boring in a sense. But sure. unfortunately the case. Fledder, I'm going eh. And then you can't tell that's me many more names. Where I'm no, like, no, no, of course not. Yeah, I don't think leave is out of like the top discussion, um, but <laughs> I do like his echo. Don't get me wrong; I've, right. I've liked this kid for a long time. Don't like I'm not some leave hater, but I I see a lot of the same arguments, and you can apply them better to a lot of the Shanghai members. I'm not gonna lie; I think we I, I like leave. Don't get me wrong; I think he's in discussion for the top spot, but I'm. I'm willing to give this until the end of the season before I make like a final call because it is yeah. too close. Well, I mean, I'm not Leave voting today. I'm not I know, voting I know, now. I know, just, what it is is to me, and I'll, I'll admit this publicly and I'll, I'll stand by this and I will fully commit to this. 
is if Chengdu and Leave and so it's not just Chengdu, Leave has to also shit the bed along with Chengdu. In fact, if Chengdu shit the bed, it might actually be because Leave didn't show up, which is another another clear case of the Chengdu zone where Chengdu yeah. like they need their star player to carry them, to carry the fuck out of them. Yeah. Um, which is why which is one of the reasons why I had Leave in the first place. But even before sure. this tournament, is because I saw him carry the fuck out of Chengdu when they were really struggling, especially mm-hmm, last yeah. stage. Anyway, beyond that, what I'm actually trying to get to, my real point is if Chengdu shit the bed along with Leave during Countdown Cup and then we'll extend that into playoffs and Shanghai continue being good, I give it to Lip. That's what I commit to. Yeah. Yep. But to me, I'm not like, no, I'm sold on Leave now and I'm not taking any other options. No, no, I still I have Lip. I still have Lip. Remember, I've pushed both Lip and Leave. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I didn't push Fearless is because everyone else did. So I, beyond that, I probably would have said Fearless, but I, I think Yisuka brought up some good points. So Leave and Lip are still on that card for me. Depending on which player is still consistently good at the end of the year, it could still go either way. I think there's an outs. Okay, let me. Maybe you you guys will shout at me immediately, but maybe there's an outside uh-huh. shot for Sparkle. Okay, I see uh, it. I see it. I can see it. Because, um, like, as a star uh, player, like he had to flex in a lot of uncomfortable positions, not through the fault of his own, but like the the issues that his team has at the moment. And for that, he's mm-hmm. done a pretty serviceable job and. Like he, I think he was never worse than good on any of his picks this season. Sure, yeah. But again, a ballot position. I I can't unless you get something crazy. Um, and even then, yeah, I I think he's just too far behind to win MVP. That's not that doesn't say that he's a bad player. That doesn't say that he's not deserving of a nomination. But when you have two DPS on the Shanghai Dragons that argue statistically, that argue flexibility-wise, that have been as consistent, if not more consistent, um, yeah, it's hard to uh, argue. Lip and Flair tick more boxes for me. I mean, that's what it comes down to versus Sparkle. I think Sparkle's been great on Dallas. I think Sparkle's brought a lot to the team. I think you're right, Yiska. He has had to fill some uncomfortable positions. Um, Tracer, especially at the start of the year, was one of them. Um... Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think Sparkle needs a meta. That's good for him. I still don't think. I still think Sparkle is somewhat of a meta-dependent character, uh, he, uh player, character, mm. player. Mm. Um, okay. because I, I still think there, there has been and can be and will be bad metas for Sparkle, because mm. he doesn't quite bring the same level of flexibility, and that is most widely pronounced in the hit scans. You will notice that Lee yeah. plays all the hero that Sparkle does. Yep. Some of them vertically higher. Trace 100%. I'll argue that Sparkle's Doom and Genji are definitely better than Leaves. I'll give that to Sparkle. Yeah. I will say that um, Echo goes the Echo. way of Leave. But then you start, let's, then you go beyond Sparkle's here, but you're like, hang on a second. Oh, that's right. Sparkle doesn't play any of the hit scans except for fucking legs. And yeah. then yeah. Leave <laughs> plays, excuse me, all of them. Yeah. His McCree stat, his McCree gameplay, his Ash gameplay. Yeah. He's actually the best McCree and the best Ash on his own team. Yeah. His Widowmaker has actually been a bit dodgy in, in game, uh, tournament play. In matches and he's he's i think he said something along the lines that he gets a bit nervous playing watermaker and officials but apparently he slaps on watermaker and scrims so he's a, he's a scrim god on on the water apparently but um that aside my point is leave for whatever reason is just expert across multiple aiming disciplines on hit scan projectile flex tracking everything it's unbelievable and he just exceeds every other player so i'm inclined that my personal metric for mvp goes down to just individually who is the best player in the Overwatch League 
And that is how I define who is most valuable. Because if you're the best player in the Overwatch League, I define you, you as being the most valuable player. Yeah. Yeah. That's my definition. Yes. I yeah. think at the end of at the kind of talking through this, I think my ballot literally is not in any particular order. Fleta, Lip, Leaf. The only three people I think. Can give Fleta a You give him a, a have, back-to-back. I, have, I, I think those are the only three people who can win. I have like, Void over And Fleta. I would not scoff at it. You have who? Void over Fleta. I have, I have Iziaki on the table, actually. That's one I haven't talked about. I have Iziaki on the table. Because I think he's been solid this year. I think he's had oh. a great performance. Agreed. Um, I think he's been a bit, a bit uh, on the down low because, you know, support probably doesn't get as much love. Oh yeah, 100%. but um, yeah, he's been there for me for sure. Yeah, it's it's for me. It's hard to shift the weight off of DPS, especially in the Overwatch that we're playing these days. I I feel for them like at a primal level at the amount of stuff that they have to do, and these three players have done so much. You know why I have lip high as well? It's because his vertical is so fucking high. It's unbelievable. It's, yeah, it's like nuts. even though he's a specialist, he's not a flex like some of the other guys are talking about. But as far as like, if you are going to be a specialist and you want to be competing for an MVP as a specialist, your vertical has to be monstrous. I'm talking like Arn's last year, monstrous. His vertical would have make it was at the very tippy top. He was the fucking number one. And his vertical was so damn high on it that if you're going to be that much of a specialist, you better be the damn best. And right now, I believe Lip is over all the best hit scan uh, we have. And then on top of that, he has an extremely damn good trace result, which is something, um, something that I think a lot of other hit scans lack in their pull. Mm-hmm. And we had this discussion maybe last week or the week before, where you know tracers started to move towards uh, the more flex DPS role than the hit scan DPS role, but. Lip's one of the few guys that can still bring out a tracer on the hit scan, which a lot of players, which a lot of players can't. Um, Any final shouts or any final thoughts on this as we're about to wrap up the episode? I'm really trying to give NA some representation here, but I really can't think of anybody that like is like impervious. Okay, can I say one thing about NA? People will bring up like, oh, obviously Pelican. No, he's going for Rookie of the Year. That's a different award. Rookies. Are not in the MVP discussion. They are going for ROTY, and, P- and you, they. I don't think a rookie should also win MVP. I think those should be separate pools of players oh. entirely. Mm. If you go for rookie there, you're not getting MVP, and uh, obviously you can't be rookie there if you're already a veteran and not a rookie. Yeah, uh, that's just my belief. And you know, some people be like, "Why can't you win both?" I just, don't, I think the spirit of the awards gets kind of shot in the foot if you do that. If you give Fair. one player both, it's just kind of pointless. They're literally the same award for different. Pools of players. Yeah. It's literally an rookie of the year is still an MVP award. What is the point in giving an MVP twice the same person? Doesn't make any damn sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't um, make sense in in Overwatch simply because like rookies used to be sometimes the best player in the league, and therefore it was a problem. I think now it's not so much. I don't think any rookie we have yes. had this season yes. actually has a chance of MVP. I I wouldn't close yourself off to the possibility. I think I still think that. Uh, Alarm probably deserved to win both, to be completely honest. I think that he did enough. I think he was statistically uh, abhorrent, outlandish. I think uh, you the could say yes, but I don't. I think, in the literal sense, there's no way he could win both, and he shouldn't win both. 
uh, in my opinion. I just don't think the Fair same enough. player should do yeah. both awards. But I think you could say spiritually he was so good that if he was if it was possible for him to get MVP, maybe he could have gone there as well. Um, but yeah, Joe, I'm looking at NA plays. It's hard for me as well. Decay hasn't had a good enough season. Yeah. Um, Kev's just been great on Gladiators, but Gladiators have been really shaky as well, even though I'm the guy that says like, oh, yeah, what about, you know, it doesn't have to be the best player on the best team. Yeah, but like, that's... Because this is what people... And then somebody... I think somebody probably was like, oh, why don't you just pick, like, fucking Aspire and Toronto Define them or something like that? I'm like, no, bro, but this is not the same discussion because those players you're bringing up on those teams are not as good as lead. They're not no. on the same tier. Yeah. So it's like, it's not just about picking the best player on any team that's not... Yeah, that's underperforming. We're not fucking picking, you know... Uh, it's not going to go to Spark or London Spitfire. Well, you know, it's it, there is a li- there is a limit here. Um. Anyway... I think yeah. uh, it's been tough. Maybe Iris. I- Iris has been honestly doing a lot. Iris comes to mind. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I think it's... I think I've definitely snubbed him in terms of rookie of the year, but in terms of MVP, it's just like I don't know. It's uh, it's hard to argue. After, Those top after, three are hard to argue. Dude, after fearless lip leave, it just gets too hard. Unless yeah. you just want to go all Shanghai players, you know. Yeah, uh, you, somebody rough. needs to have a blowout last stage to like you wanna, really be in the or discussion. You, or you really love Hanbin Fielder or something. You want to sure. get one of those guys. <laughs> or Alam um, again. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I'd have to look, but yeah, it's tough. That one's hard. Uh, we're not going to get deep into it. We're not going to, oh, we're not, we're not even going to shallow into this actually, but playoffs information did get announced. That is available on the Overwatch League website now. Um, I thought it'd be a better idea to dive deeper into that for next episode and also the countdown cup stuff next episode as well as the hero pools just so that we can have one holistic episode this time around only to only like kind of looking backwards a little bit in the review mirror about what happened on the weekend and talking about that and where we think things are now based on that um the next weekend guys when we come back for episode 185 we're going to be addressing our preview for the countdown cup expectations where is the um where is the here a pool going to land for different players and how that's going to affect the playoffs but uh this has been a really fun episode really enjoyed talking about how good the tournament has been i think we can all agree this has been one of the best tournaments if not the best tournament so Easy. far because there's been so many close games so many entertaining games um and i can't wait to come back again for 185 but this has been tcp 184 signing out we'll see you next week